Smoochies for death. Smoochies. Smoochies for death. Smoochies for death. So that's my new uh, Smoochie for death metal. Um, oh, Smoochie for death metal. Love it. Love it. <laughs> and a pun in there. So, death, yeah. death Metal the Smoochie is a much different movie, but it's still weirdly more Apex Me. <laughs> I would totally watch Don Denham's, uh, uh, what is it, the, the the Rob Zombie remakes of Halloween, if, if you got to make Death to Smoochie again, um, with your with your fingerprints on it, uh, uh-huh. to really give it that Don Denham touch. Um, welcome, everyone, to Movies for When You Want a Clusterfuck. We are having a clusterfuck today. Um, you know what? Before we start out, let's hear it for the boys. We got the boys in the house today. Yeah, we have the boys. Just some boys <laughs> talking about movies. Toxic masculinity is not, al- not allowed. This is just dudes rocking. <laughs> dudes rock on this on this episode. We're just a bunch of dudes and we're going to rock. Um, for those who don't know, Greggy Sue got married recently and he has taken two weeks off of his podcasting duties. He did overdraft his PTO from Movies for Win and... Uh, well, his $0 paycheck is about to reach a negative balance. Um, so um, these past two weeks, uh, I have enlisted kind movie buffs who are my friends to help us make podcasts because who the fuck would want to listen to me talk for three hours to no one? Um, and these are my boys, Phil, Dylan, and Don uh, that I know from various walks of life. I would like to give each of y'all the opportunity to introduce yourselves Tell the audience a little bit about who they're listening to talk about movies, because I think it's it's important that they know that. Hmm. Well, let's just keep on the cycle there. Phil, lead us in. Yeah, I'll start out. So uh, my name's Phil, uh, movie lover, obviously. Uh, met Denny. Uh, the connection here is that Denny and I met uh, at UT like years ago. We had Spanish together um, and have just like kept in touch over time, over a shared love of movies. Um, Currently living in Austin, Texas. Uh, Don, we should link up. They were telling me you're here too. Um, yeah, just like um, we're going to be talking about it in a little bit, but uh, the movie we I picked uh, for our discussion today is like kind of why I am a movie person now or like why I love movies so much. Uh, so yeah, I'll just keep it short there and uh, reveal as time goes on. So who wants to go next? There, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I'll, I'll head in yeah. now. My name's Dylan Derryberry, a longtime listener, first time caller, but uh I um I have known Denny since high school. Um, kind of similar story, just a good time movie pal. Um, I studied uh, film in college alongside journalism, uh, more on the film studies than the production side. So that makes me, you know, highly unqualified to actually talk about the movies we have here today. <laughs> no, it um, doesn't. Don't you dare invalidate yourself. Nah, Don't nah, you nah, dare. Nah. I, hey, I, I I can't uh, afford a therapy session with you, so I gotta jump on the podcast to get my. You talk to me long out. enough, you'll get one for free. Ex- that goes exactly, for everyone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what what we lack in payment for podcasts, we get free therapy from. Oh uh, yeah. But yeah, so uh, my movie uh, that I picked again, I don't know if we're reviewing them yet, but stems uh, essentially from everything that I kind of love about movies and. That kind of like starts with schlocky horror and, you know, expands past there to meta concepts and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think we're going to have some fun here. Hell yeah. Bring Derry us home, Derry Don. 
Derry Berry is one uh, one of my favorite people I have met uh, in my in high school. We we all went to McKinney High with with Denny. Um, well, and, not Phil. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I am from the DFW area, though. So. We, 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 yeah. we all had some <laughs> scholastic interaction with Denny, one way or another. This is um, true. So. Uh, I am friends with uh, Dylan, but also very good friends with Denny. Uh, he and I, uh, we've got we've got a lot of history. We've been in plays together. Uh, we were captains of the improv team and battled each other in high school. Uh, we Denny's went to war. We <laughs> went to war. We said nothing but questions. Um, <laughs> improv was your nom. <laughs> So uh, I, I am a, I am a co-host of a Dallas Mavericks podcast, the Hoops and Hefeweizens podcast. Yeah. So that gives me some credibility to be on here. Uh, I'm a you have the best producer. mic. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, this is strictly <laughs> my uh, producer. Uh, my my producer. Uh, I guess he is my producer. Uh, this is the same studio that I recorded my new single on, um, and he's very graciously letting me use uh, his setup. Uh, so this is much fancier than what I normally have for any podcast. Um, but uh, we're going over some tunes later anyways um but uh i've i've met known denny for a long time since high school and uh we've we've just kept in touch uh, as far as movies i i've i've dabbled in some acting here and there never for film i've always just been a uh just a fan of the art i think uh to me good art is art that is that communicates its idea clearly whatever that idea is um so i am a fan of the absurd and uh the silly um, uh, just being creative and subversive is typically things that I gravitate towards. So I'm, I think that my choice perfectly reflects that. I'm also on here, uh, as a redemption for suggesting high fidelity mistakenly. Um, <laughs> I publicly, uh, apologize. I apologize on that podcast through text. Uh, and I, still, I, I am both proud and ashamed that it swept every negative Grinnies award this year. <laughs> Um, and, and, and rightfully so. Uh, I'm glad that we've all grown from the neckbeard misogynist. Um, you know, sometimes it's okay to <laughs> blow off when someone tells you they were right. Uh, Mentality, that was of uh, Cusack's uh, terrible, terrible person in High Fidelity. So, yeah, if, <laughs> we're talking about three better movies in High Fidelity today, and not, yep. that is why I'm excited. If, if you liked High Fidelity in high school or your early 20s, you were just a high schooler or someone in their early twenties. If you still like high fidelity, grow up. Like you've got, <laughs> you, you've got, you've got some work to do on yourself. I hate to tell you. <laughs> so a, a movie go. about music that remarkably has no music in it. Right. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like Jack Black singing a single verse. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is about music. <laughs> hey, it's you it's it's the worst movie i've seen where jack black was the main musical uh uh component of it you know like yeah. usually oh, wow, usually yeah. you get a little more from from mr black and his mm. talents yeah. i saw him yeah. at a restaurant one time highlight of my life okay <laughs> friend of the show jack black friend of, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah he next week it's just going to be me and jack black he said you know oh, only, yeah only people who were at that magnolias in in in, <laughs> in 2011 uh so i tried to get him on here for you guys but he he's i, I hate to say he's a little bit elitist but uh his people <laughs> thought that y'all were a little uncouth he has any public record of me that is an accurate uh assessment <laughs> not even not even yeah not... <laughs> uh the idea of jack black big leaguing someone is so funny to me because i don't <laughs> yeah 
Like you we ate at the same restaurant. I don't think he big leagues. You know? no, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think his rejection letters are just no? <laughs> <laughs> Notoriously pretentious Jack Black, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, Phil has dinner in two and a half hours. He has to be at, and we promised we would try yeah. to keep it. We're, we're eleven hard. minutes in, and we've finally introduced ourselves. Yeah, so. yeah, hell yeah. yeah, hi guys. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast where we always run too long and always forget our own gimmicks. Movies for when, um, when so all the time. Basically, the reason this there we go, Don. The reason that this episode is labeled as a clusterfuck is because one, it will be. Um, two. <laughs> Uh, the central theme is uh, our our three guest hosts were just asked to pick a movie they wanted to do with no <laughs> with no regard for a consistent theme in mind whatsoever. So um, we haven't even talked about what order we're going to go in. No, uh, no, yeah. We can keep the order if we want. What's the like order? Yeah, I, I think it's me and then Dylan and then Don. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Just keep our cycle going. We're going to end it on Smoochie and start with There Will Be Blood. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Only because it's a clusterfuck. I want you guys to know (laughs) I found it pretty hard to come back up from a movie like There Will Be Blood, but it wouldn't be a clusterfuck (laughs) if we didn't didn't lead with the most serious one first and then try to be silly after that. Well, part of me is like, do we end on it? Because it's a rough hang at times. So, like, do we want to just get it out of the way? Uh, nah, but... let's let's just do it. I, I like it's a clusterfuck. Why would we do yeah. it in the way that yeah. made sense? Um, yeah. Danny, did, did you watch these in sequence? I watched like, one sitting. No, on Friday night I watched Death to Smoochie, uh, and then on Saturday I watched uh, I watched Final Girls, and about an hour and a half ago I finished There Will Be Blood. Uh, so fresh. that one's, you are that fresh, one's the freshest man. in my mind yeah. so well and and you seem in a slightly good mood so it couldn't have weighed you down that much i thought it was a pretty fantastic movie it's just like it's the only one that i feel like we're all gonna like talk about what it meant to us in our lives and then we're gonna be like so then they parodied friday the 13th and barney the yeah. dinosaur yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, you know what? Why don't why don't we start with there will be blood? Uh yeah. Phil, since it's your pick, uh you're the man of the hour, would you mind giving us a synopsis? And then uh the format, I suppose, is that we all give our relationship with the movie after that, but I wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised if the format just completely decompensates before our <laughs> eyes. So love it. Yeah, I have like my, my notes in front of me. Um my terrible man. handwriting, so I'm like, what was I thinking? But uh yeah, so uh there'll be blood uh super super amazing movie super important movie for me um directed by the great paul thomas anderson uh unsurprisingly my favorite filmmaker um basically dale day lewis is daniel plainview an oil prospector uh who uses his adopted son as a way to like clean up his image as a family man instead of this ruthless businessman which he actually is um he is, you know, kind of tipped off to uh, this land, this opportunity in California, I think in the late 1800s. Um, it's apparently oil rich and goes to investigate it. And when he gets there, sees that there's like an ocean of oil, uh, to quote the movie, and comes to terms um, with an adversary in the form of Eli Sunday, who is this preacher that has his own ambitions. Sounds very kind of loosey-goosey. Um, that is a trait, I would say, in Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Uh, very character-driven, like not very plot-driven, which um, are obviously movies uh, I gravitate towards for those 
my friends who are listening who will hear this they're like yes we know phil um <laughs> like this like I am... we, we know that you liked licorice pizza okay man yeah i know like uh, <laughs> not even touching that one today because i'm tired of talking about it and i loved it uh, <laughs> but um yeah so i actually it's funny denny this is um i'm surprised i didn't talk to you about it when we met um i actually for the first time watched it in 2011 um like mistakenly and like offensively on a laptop like just on a whim like with headphones on which uh, i don't know how you guys watched it but like i rewatched this on like a big screen as, and like turned the volume up and it just it yeah it's it's immaculate man um so yeah uh pretty much kind of honestly changed the course of my life film wise um had really only really like my dad is basically like my film guy right like he got me into movies um for, through him the most important movie i'd say even more there will be blood um is 2001 a space odyssey and that's kind of showed me as a kid and i was like what like like what is what are movies right like that after seeing that um i'll get to this too but a lot of uh kubrick stuff in this movie uh in there will be blood but um then after that i saw children of men and that is like my current second favorite movie of all time um, yeah yep. and was like this will never happen and then one day on a whim just watched there will be blood and like have never felt a physical reaction like in my body as i have like watching this movie um i'll get to it more later but i'm rambling now so if you guys want to chime in at any point like what your relationship to it is um i'd love to hear it yeah who else who's next dylan you want to go yeah, i like this, yeah. this roundabout order we've got yeah. going. <laughs> for, for those listening track. it's the order that we synced our mics in <laughs> <We're just laughs> sticking with it, sticking with it. <laughs> yeah um but yeah, so um, I guess we're just going to go ahead and jump right into dad issues and dad relations, because that's what this <laughs> movie is about for me. Um, yeah. But no, uh, so I saw this. Does anyone my... here love movies because they had such a good father? <laughs> <laughs> really, yes, but because we have the exact opposite tastes yeah. in movies. So it's just like, you know, aside from like basically Mel Brooks and like, I don't know, Major League. That's about the only things that we agree on. So. Yeah. Don, I've met your father, and I fully believe that he is a really good man who raised you well and only watches Mel Brooks and Major League all day. Hey, yeah. <laughs> not a, fully not a bad, yeah. That's, 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 that is like such a dad it. thing. Yeah. Like, like, I feel like there are, you know, you've got, you know, Phil's dad who, you know, is introducing him to, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey. And then you've got dads like Don's dad. And a, a little more like my uncles that are just like, okay, I'm going to be a homer for these two movies. I'm going to own it on DVD and VHS. And like, those are the only movies I like. Um, like yeah, yeah. My, my, my uncle loves Caddyshack. I think he never watches any other movie, but Caddyshack. <laughs> and again, it's just like, <laughs> they typically tend That's to be sports movies. <laughs> um, but anyway, so my relationship to this movie is I saw it in theaters. Um, so I think when when did this come out? Two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Yeah. yeah. So we Quite were a year for movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so yeah, we were yeah. like juniors in high school, I think. So I was, you know, pretty much just watching bullshit and nothing serious. But um, I went with my dad and my siblings to see this, and um, I I don't remember when it came out, but like for some reason I want to say it was like around Christmas time that we saw it. Um, but yeah, like it's just I think there's something to be said about you know going to a movie like the movies you typically see with your parents growing up are like animated movies or like superhero movies or stuff like that but it was really interesting to be in a serious movie with my dad in like a mm. movie theater um so you know because then you know you get in the car and you know you talk about all that stuff 
but I distinctly remember my <laughs> looking over at my dad crying in the middle of this movie. And my dad's a big softy, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, he gets emotional about all that stuff. But it's like it's almost like a humanizing moment, like for a 17 year old to you know, see their dad crying at art and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, I that's just kind of my roundabout experience with the movie. Hadn't watched it um, again just not particularly any reason just you know never really got around to watching it until phil suggested and my wife had never seen it before and you know i wasn't totally sure if it was going to be her bag or not you know and so i kind of like gave her a heads up like hey you know this is a bit more of the serious movie of the bunch you know we'll get to the goofier stuff later and yeah. she ended up loving it like just was blown away by it and you know it's a long sad movie <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh she was just enthralled with it the whole time. So uh, great pick, Phil. It was really the roundabout way of getting there. <laughs> you nailed you nailed it. Like I love telling people it's my favorite movie because I'm like I know like it's like it's it's really good. I'm, I know. I'm, Come I, on, like, I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm the guy whose like, favorite movie is there will I be blood. I didn't choose this. It happened. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, an, it's an inborn condition to yeah, like Paul exactly. Thomas Anderson this much. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Don, what right. you got? What's your um, relationship with There Will Be Blood? You know, I, I actually I didn't see this in theaters. It's this is one that uh, definitely the hype preceded it for me. I feel like I didn't watch it until I, I mean, yeah, it's definitely on DVD. I, I feel like this was like a mail mail in like Netflix movie for me oh, at one geez. point. So like you're like, aging us on. <laughs> no, um, yeah, back when you used to be uh, pen pals with Netflix. Uh, now they just <laughs> um, so. Uh, it's something that I, I really didn't have much relationship with it aside from uh, one of the guys I played music with was absolutely obsessed with this movie. And so like, I was actually a little hesitant on it just because like, I know that Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead is responsible for the soundtrack and he's actually one of my favorite guitar players um, yeah. because he just, he, he is very physical, very visceral with the guitar to a point to where it almost sounds like he's technically playing it wrong, but it's he's making it his. And I think the upon second watch of this, uh, what really impacted me was just like how the entire medium, both audio and or audio, uh, orally and visually, it's it, it is just a, a an immersive experience that doesn't make you feel good, but it is very effective. <laughs> And yeah, I, exactly. I exactly. Yeah. It's 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 masterfully done. Um, and it is bleak. <laughs> mm. Like if mm. I already didn't have like a issue with like cold blooded capitalists and environmentally destructive uh capitalists, <laughs> uh I, I oil companies, like it's I, I kind of saw that through an environmentalist uh lens and mm. just like how uh I don't know, I, that's been like my uh, post-pandemic obsession has been like city planning and, and environmentalism and so seeing that watching this movie with this lens almost feels like a weird foreboding uh you know or foreshadowing of what's to come with energy uh later uh that's wow. something that i took from it so i, I mean and oh yeah a, for sure impactful movie for certain mm-hmm. very dope um i probably have a weird relationship with this movie i uh <laughs> dylan you'll appreciate this um it was like the only time I'd ever seen any of it before was either my junior or senior year of high school in, uh, at the time, Miss Armand Trout's broadcasting class. Um, okay. Yeah, there was cool. like, it was like the last couple days of school, and there was someone that had like three periods of broadcasting uh, blocked out. 
Um, and they were just watching There Will Be Blood. And so for the one 50-minute period that I was there, I just watched a chunk of it with them. Um, I think I saw like... Uh, <laughs> I think I saw the first time that Eli's in the church, like the first time Daniel goes in mm. there. And I think I saw. Oh, okay. The baptism. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 not the baptism. Oh, okay. Just yeah. when he's the in woman, there. The get out of here ghost. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah, he heals yeah. the arthritic lady, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, I remembered, uh, I remembered the, uh, what's it called? I, I remembered the scene where his son loses his hearing. Yeah. Um, I, so yeah. I know I'd seen those parts before. And I'd literally never seen anything else other than everyone always yelling, I drink your milkshake. So uh -huh. just that as was, PTA wished it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, the whole time I was watching it. I was like, well, I know it can't be over until someone says, I drink your milkshake. You know, like, I, I, oh, I know and it's that, over then. I know yeah, that. And yeah. but like, it went on so long that I was like, maybe I misremembered it. Maybe that's another movie. Um, anyway, all this time, that was shit. 07 or 08 i don't even remember which year it's now 2022 and literally ever since then i've been like yo that was pretty sweet i should sit down and watch that sometime and i've just <laughs> never done it so this is a first time viewing for me today yeah nice hell yeah no, no um, is, which, go ahead denny sorry I, I forgot a part of the format like i thought we would um this movie is available on netflix um i rented oh, it yeah. on amazon uh because <laughs> My wife was uh, watching Big Mouth on the Roku that has my mom's Netflix account. Actually, there you go. There you so, go. <laughs> I don't know. Did y'all watch it on Netflix? Anybody else? I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. I think it's still like I think that's how I watched it originally, or I like yeah. probably pirated it when I still did that in college. Um, yeah, that that's one of those like, man, I, I, I I'm gonna rant, so I'm gonna just, like keep my <laughs> things like kind of tied in here, but um. Please rant. We're here to rant. <laughs> no. Lids off. Um, this is a clusterfuck, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Like, so I, I just want to go back to what Don said about um, the score, because um, that's something that always, like, truly affects me about this movie every time I go back is, uh, and I was, like, kind of listening to the score uh, before we got on here, just kind of getting the mindset right. Um, I'm not a big, like, I, I watch the Academy Awards. I always say, like, they're stupid whatever they don't matter and then i watch them anyway and like actually care right we Always. all do we all do um, everyone here does that <laughs> I, I like genuinely one of the crimes of and i'm going there of like the academy awards <laughs> is that this score did not get nominated over a technicality which is um the scene when the, they like strike oil and it sets on fire and everything um yeah. that like super chaotic like non like like very just rhythmic oriented song um and johnny greenwood had actually used that um in another movie and that's why it was disqualified. Oh. Otherwise, yeah, and it, and it's just like wow, like yeah, it's, it has to be original score, right? Yeah, I, I just again, I'm sounding like a Reddit comment right now, but it's one of those like, just it's insane. Wow. Um, it's probably my favorite score ever. Uh, there's something about like there's this like the wide open spaces and just like those tracking shots of him driving in the car and the strings going like like Don. Uh, I love Radiohead too. It's probably my favorite band, so I think we're gonna vibe over this. Um. Him okay. being like the only classically trained musician in Radiohead, Johnny Greenwood, I think really helped. And I, I believe this is his first film score. Actually, no, he did that one before. I think this is his first like major motion picture because I think the song was pulled from a documentary. Is yeah, as I'm kind of recounting in my head right now. This um, is the first one that I re I recall being a big Radiohead fan, especially in the especially that era. This is around like the In Rainbows, Hail to the yep. Thief era. Of oh yeah. 
So like that's that's definitely when I was like just neck deep in it. This is the first time I've heard of him score. Like that was the draw to this movie. Uh, yeah. For, uh, was the score originally? Yeah, and it's just man, like for a first stab at it, like everyone is firing on all cylinders in this movie. It's it's one of those like for me, it's just like kind of lightning in a bottle how everything just worked out so well. Uh, like directing, acting, cinematography, everything's just like firing on all you know all cylinders and. Yeah, that score just like it's haunting, man. Like it, we've kind of joked about it already. It's a tough hang of a movie, but like I think coupled with the score and just the imagery and the performances we're seeing, like it's about like it's an affecting tale of like capitalism and religion and just kind of like the story of this country and like the backbone yeah. of like how we got here, the environmental aspect you were, you mentioned, Don. Like I I can't I don't know why, but um I like audibly gasped when I was rewatching this and he said um what's the line uh yeah there's a pipeline like I I've heard that line a million times but just like that moment of him laser focusing in on like I've abandoned my child right like uh, everything is like not going right that I want to but now that it is and all it is is the bottom line money and success and power and what else is more American than that dare I say <laughs> right and yeah, yeah it's just like this go ahead yeah yeah this 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 pitch that he made to the townsfolk right yeah of like yeah. why why they should be happy he's doing this that is literally happening in denton texas before my eyes as yeah, like with all the, the people who run the city are like <clears throat> we should build like we need to invite walmart and best buy mm. and it's going to create jobs and yeah. i look at it and i'm immediately like okay it's going to create like maybe a hundred to two hundred minimum wage jobs with no benefits that I guarantee they will pay everyone's salary for the day within mm. like 30 minutes of operation. That's how much money goes back into the community. The vast majority of this money gets siphoned out of this community and yeah. given to someone mm. who doesn't know what Denton, Texas is. Like we'll never come here probably couldn't even find it on a map, like knows nothing about us. Almost as though they have a very long straw and we are sitting here with a fucking milkshake. <laughs> yep. Like it's yep. like literally that's how it works. It's happening right now in the fucking city I live in. And like the complete grift of it, like the grift, yep. like yep. Yep. the, like if you, the, like when people are like, shop local like i don't think they know what they're promoting when they say that like what you're promoting is this it's yeah. not just that you support a local business instead of walmart and that feels good but mm -hmm. it's if you go to a local coffee shop instead of starbucks you are giving your money for the goods and services you have purchased you are giving it to someone who is likely to go spend it at a local bar in the community and the person who owns that bar might get their haircut at a local barber you know like sure. it's like yeah, yeah. it's not just saying support a small business it's saying like dude keep our wealth in this community where we all give a fuck about each other and mm -hmm. stop we all benefit. exactly we all benefit mm -hmm. too mm -hmm. but like you build a walmart and you're literally just making the entire community more poor that's all yeah. you're doing. Like you're fucking everyone over. Yeah, I think it's yeah. very telling too, just to that point. I, I It just came in my head of like, I think it's significant that we never see the town become successful in this movie, right? All yeah. we see is his mansion, yeah. right? At it the was end. a grift. Like, it was a fucking yeah, grift. 100%, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe the church gets a little, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's a grift too. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and you well, know, Sundays is, yeah. yeah. And you, you mentioned it. I think there is an interesting 
relationship between capitalism and the church here, but more so how they have to become linked to become mutually beneficial. And again, the only two structures you see become prosperous are Daniel, you know, his home, the capitalism and the church. Those are the only Mm -hmm. things that actually are benefited here. And, you know, while they're almost set against each other, like, you know, their adversaries, they end up benefiting each other in ways that just harm their community. So yeah, right. again, cool. it, I mean, it, I, and you know, Upton Sinclair wrote the book um, oil and which this is based on, and he did the jungle and stuff like that. So, I mean, he's writing about American life and the role capitalism plays um, and just how terrible it is, you know, dude. And like, it's, it's the weirdest thing. Like as someone who had a past life as a fundamentalist Christian, uh, while yeah. I was still a member of the church, like one of my friends was like, like pointed out to me, was like, hey, what is this weird marriage of these two inherently contradictory concepts, which yeah. are yeah. Christianity and capitalism? They do not go together at all. And somehow they are like, you cannot separate them in, in, in our culture, in our society. Like, where does this come from? And this movie's answer to it is, well, they're both grifters. Like they're yeah. both, yeah, they're yeah, both yeah, drifting yeah, everyone, yeah. right? Like that's yeah. well. I mean, even go back to your, you know, example of you know WalMarts and Amazons and all that stuff, you know, coming into Denton. I mean, again, those businesses will then donate to particularly conservative campaigns that yeah. you know cause all sorts of other issues. So again, there is this merging that yeah. uh, they have to coincide in order to benefit and you know well, fuck over other is... people. This is not to shit on religious people or religion in general. This is to shit on exploitation, right? Yeah, like, sure. and, exactly. And if, yeah, and if you yeah. are a Bible believing Christian, um, I encourage you to search, search, search your spiritual scriptures and find me like one thing that affirms capitalism in the New Testament of the Bible that you believe. Like, I'm not saying you're not allowed to believe that or you're not allowed to have that. I'm saying, look at this weird marriage between this economic model and your spirituality and they do not fit. And yet we just, they just do, right? (laughs) Like they just, Mm -hmm, they just mm -hmm. go together like Shamalama Lama and Kadingity Ding Dong. Well, and you know, I think that's also portrayed at the end where the, you know, again, our two figureheads, Eli and Daniel are actually, you know, bound together through marriage you know mm-hmm. yeah. their their family yeah. members are married Ooh, in the end. So, you know, yeah. I didn't quite catch that very nice yeah. very nice so to, you know not to move us along or anything but what did you what let's talk about daniel as kind of a character because mm. again he does have like obviously he is focused on you know benefiting himself but he doesn't particularly in my eyes you know come off as someone who desires like nice things or you know wealth or anything like that like more often than not we see him sleeping on the ground or you know he's actually like working you know like i I wrote that you know this is just a gritty remake of the beverly hillbillies you know like he's he's in there working you know i i saw bubbling crude more than once when they struck every time they struck, i was like there's that bubbling crude black gold texas yeah. e they found That's it right. yeah and so like and another thing like his handwriting's really good and obviously he has business knowledge and stuff so you can assume that he probably was educated probably went to school and all this stuff but like what are his motivations? Because 
On the other hand, he's also a good guy in that he takes mm-hmm. over, you know, this child who's, you know, was the son of somebody who died on his, you know, uh, work team. Like, you know, so again, I don't, I don't really have an answer. I'm just curious what mm-hmm. your guys' thoughts on Daniel are. I've got plenty, but I've talked too much. I want to pass it to somebody else before I give mine. I think Daniel Plainview is evil incarnate. And I think he's <laughs> okay. evil incarnate for, for this reason alone. It's, it's a uh, self benefit, uh, or I guess just he, he is only invested in his own self interests to his own detriment. Like he's mm. even, he's accumulated. <sighs> okay. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, I, I think I heard it from like a slam, slam poet that like, um, uh, even making something subpar or average is better than dest- is better than destroying something great. And wow. I think okay. that he's a remarkably destructive person. Um, he's even self-destructive and everything that he does is, you know, it's, it's never something that's strictly for his benefit. It's, it's at the expense of somebody else. Yeah, and it doesn't even seem to be for his own happiness because I don't think there's a moment in there where he's actually uh, really experiences joy. I think every time that he smiles or smirks, it's like here's another opportunity for me to use this to my benefit, or here's another thing that I here's okay. There's now a child involved. He's not thinking I got to take care of this kid. He's like, how can this kid benefit me? Yeah, uh, that's true. Is, like, so, I cool. a dead employee. There's an opportunity. You know what I mean? Like that's totally. No, just just like everything in his life, he exploits everything for his own benefit. You nailed it there. Um, I, I actually wanted to ask you guys this because I guess I get, like I've seen this movie countless times, but each time I glean something different. And I maybe I'm just like getting older and softer, but like I kind of saw at least some amount of care for HW this time around. Like I I think he obviously uses him as a tool. He gives this family man image, right? Of like. This is the, the soft face. Like, we're not this usual corporation. We're a family business. I encourage my men to bring their families. Coincidentally, like, you don't see anyone bring their family, <laughs> like, uh, after that scene. But I, I got the sense that, like, he hates him. And obviously, he parts away with him at the end. But there's that moment where he's, like, wasted and, like, is drinking and, right, and, and like, crying. And it's, like, I, I don't think he loves, like, capital L loves HW. But I think he cares for him. I don't know. I'd love to hear if you guys disagree or agree with that. I've got I feel like it's yeah. an opportunity to use it. Totally. I think, yeah. now, cause I think now, since the kid is now disabled, he mm-hmm. now looks at them as a, uh, as, a, as a hindrance as opposed to his, you know, his, his golden goose, if you will. And I think that's what, again, that's just evil incarnate to me, is just someone mm. that is so willing to abandon. And, he, and it's like, it's di- I understand someone wanting to grow in, in capital means to take care of their family. Like I understand people that are just so, you know, just locked into conservatism because they are, you know, it benefits their family, puts food on that table. They care. They want to see their family raised well and safe and healthy. That is just not any of the, anywhere close to the motivations of Daniel Plainview. And I think that's where I get really uh, viscerally upset seeing him uh, on screen and, and and it's intentional. It's, it's beautifully yeah. done. But I, I, I was definitely hate fucking that 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 character every time he was on screen. <laughs> I think I think that's the intention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Denny, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I'd love to hear it, Denny. Well, I was going to try to refrain from providing this context, but I think I'd be remiss not to. 
Um, I, I come from a family of narcissists who got their money in oil, uh, finding money for Exxon. What? <laughs> okay. This was a journey, huh? This is <laughs> and uh, I, I have, through great effort, achieved uh, poverty in my adult life, uh, just, despite my, <laughs> despite the the privilege I was born into. Um, so Being I broke I've... to own the conservatives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Been doing it my whole life, man. Here, man. That'll show them. Um, so I, I I look at it as this. I look at it as Daniel absolutely is like the most clinical case of narcissistic personality disorder I've seen since high fidelity. Um that was that was meant to get a pop. Yeah. <laughs> um so really more likable. Basically, <laughs> when when you're absolutely because at least there was something i could fucking admire about him like well this and guy, he has awareness this, he has awareness about it too. Yeah. So he's like i don't care for people like he explicitly yeah. states it yeah well daniel knew how to give a fucking monologue to the camera so yeah. can't say the same for for uh john cusack and high fidelity yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there was at least something to respect if not admire right like mm-hmm. um so basically the the basest explanation i can give for a personality disorder any one of the personality disorders is that someone with a personality disorder is motivated differently than someone who doesn't have a personality disorder so if you're not a narcissist and you look at a narcissist and try to figure out why they would do what they do um you try to put your thinking on their behaviors and it will never make sense because yeah. they're they're not motivated the way you are if you're not a narcissist. Um, a narcissist's primary motivation is image maintenance most of the time, um, right. and they do things That's that like regarding the kid. Exactly, yep. it, it explains the kid. They do things that we would never understand to maintain our image. Because at a certain point, any like we all care about our image. We're fucking lying if we pretend that we don't care at all about 100%, 100%. it. Hundred percent. But like at a certain point, we'd be like, dude, it's just your image. Like the people, the people close to you will know who you are. And if there's a rumor about you or if if someone judges you because of how you looked or something, who cares? Like a narcissist would like literally go to the ends of the earth to like maintain their image. Um not only that, um they usually want to believe that they belong to some sort of elite, uh, elite subsect of society. Um, an easy one is wealth, and you kind of see it in Daniel of, uh, of, of his bloodline, right? Like he constantly yeah. talks about like, um, if it's in me, it's in you to his, to his fake brother, uh, and then tells, tells his, his son, there's none of me in you, right? When he tells him that uh-huh. he was adopted, uh, so he he has this he wants to maintain this belief that he is somehow exceptional um and uh narcissists are also very 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 extremely low on empathy um mm-hmm. they just like mm-hmm. because of some usually some very real and very serious childhood trauma that narcissists will frequently weaponize um but i've I've never met a narcissist that didn't have something like horrific at the root of their dysfunction like right. just like right, truly yeah. It doesn't come from nowhere. They're not just like going around being Voldemort and being like, "Cause I'm bad," yeah. um, you know. Yeah. Like that's it, it's 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 a maladaptive coping mechanism for something that was like so horrible that they formed their entire personality around coping with it, right? Like, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, and also because of that, narcissists love children. They love them. Oh, um, okay. Because that's and here's why. 
Here's why. They love them because they, first of all, don't require the relational labor that adults require. Um, Narcissists are usually fundamentally incapable of maintaining a healthy relationship for more than like a honeymoon period because they just like, it just makes no sense to them to do it. Like, it just makes no sense to like, listen to someone even though you didn't really feel like it because maybe you need to own your role in the situation. Um, or maybe, you know, like if you were in their shoes and you, you, you wouldn't want someone to blow you off if you needed to talk. Right. Um, right. Yeah. That, that makes no sense to them. Right. Like, and so well, that's oh, an sorry. interesting point. I, I, Cause I, one of the things I noticed was just that um, his Daniel's relationship with Mary Sunday seemed like really problematic. Like, yeah. Again, he always seemed much too close to her. And like, mm-hmm. again, you know, he obviously his son ends up marrying her, but that I think kind of makes more sense than like, you know, a, yeah. um, you know, that he has like sexual feelings because he doesn't have sexual feelings throughout the entire movie. And yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I have a little bit about that to discuss as well. Yeah. But if, if what you say, you know, you, you're the pro here that, you know, narcissists hey. are more focused on, uh, you know, children, I, I think that's a really interesting um, decision to make for the character. Yeah. Well, they, they don't like anyone with a sense of self. And you see that play out really well in this because like they just they view other people as an extension of themselves and just kind of like part yeah. of their property, part of their world. And so a kid is really easy to appease. Like you just literally yeah. give give a kid a thing they like and they will like you. Um, that's just keep giving them candy, but narcissists tend to stop liking children the second they are old enough and assured enough of themselves to resist the narcissist, like to basically, Which, you know, yeah. and we see that play out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they'll, they'll have this <laughs> yep. sob story about like, they didn't appreciate me. Look at all the things I did for them. And then they just turn. Wow. I guess it shows they only liked me for my money. Huh? Yeah, right, like I well, gave that's it's such horseshit is what it is. Well, I think that's apparent. Um, one of the things I noticed that you know, Daniel, after this time jump, it's revealed that he's refused to learn sign language. You know, like mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. that's like, your kid's only form of communication, and you just flat out refuse. So again, I I think the like you said, the moment it became too much of a burden he just kind of checked out of the whole thing right well even when his before his kid even knows sign language i was sitting watching the movie being like write down the things you're yelling at him write well, it down which yeah. i guess maybe the child wouldn't have known how to read i didn't think about that from the from the time well, period but, but like you know, draw, yeah. draw a picture do something but he literally couldn't be put out at all to communicate well, I, with his recently disabled son, which tells well, you a I think lot, that, right? I like, think that, that also circles back to the whole grift thing because he's always talking about how setting up these communi- communities is going to bring better education to their kids, and education seems like an important thing for him. But we know that you know his son is just always with him on business sites, so he's not getting an education. Yeah. So there's a good chance that HW didn't like have any sort of couldn't read so yeah like his first education comes no, from his deafening maybe he read like, the, he read the diary he read the diary okay mm, and that's, that's right. why yeah, that's yeah. why he set the fire because he was trying to tell his dad like this dude's okay. a fucking snake i figured yeah. it out right okay yep. okay yep. but you apparently you know maybe things like this wouldn't have to happen if you would teach your disabled child ways to communicate other than leaving trails of fire to bad people <laughs> yeah maybe, <laughs> maybe less cabins would be burned <laughs> 
Which does lead <laughs> me to my favorite uh, SNL uh, discarded sketch of Daniel Plainview playing Pictionary. I have not seen it, but I'm laughing just like at the thought of what might be. It's not a real thing. Oh, (laughs) yes, is it? (laughs) I was like, oh, that's comedy gold. I'll bet they tried it. (laughs) No, and um, actually, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, man. No, 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 you go on. I was going to, um, was it done? Sorry, no, we're a clusterfuck, right? It's a clusterfuck. Uh, <laughs> it's a clusterfuck. No, I, I actually, that's a good segue too, because I really, um, this is always a sticking point I've at least discovered talking with this movie with people, is um, how people feel about the brother that shows up. Um, I personally, like, when I first saw it, I was like, this is the weakest part of the movie. Um, but upon rewatches, I'm like, this is so essential. Like, this is uh, crucial to Daniel's, like, journey in this film. Um I find it, and I would love maybe, Denny, if you have more insight on this uh, as what you were just talking about, but, like, there's something there that I can't explain about that relationship where there's hints of their childhood, right, or, like, where they came from and, like, maybe even some past trauma that he experienced mm-hmm. that, like, he just still is not wanting to acknowledge or or even, like, you know, think about because, like, why would he? That's that's not his character, but he it's, like, kind of the most vulnerable he is in the movie. Um, yes, and yes. I find that super fascinating. And I, I always just wonder how people feel about it because I've on many times heard people say it kind of, like, slows down the movie, but I disagree so much, like, in uh, on rewatches. I mean, the grifter gets grifted. Right. I think that yeah, is, yeah, is yeah, yeah. Interesting. Like, it maybe explains why he was almost more, you know, actually feeling uh some familial companionship with him i mean like as, as funny as that is like sure enough the one person that he like he he's skeptical seeing him at first you know he's like show me proof and all this right. other stuff and like uh never shows it as a uh it's it's by no means a warm welcome and and it's interesting that yeah he he has probably the most vulnerable conversation with someone that's ultimately grifting him so it's kind of one of those things like you know hey uh you know takes one to no one kind of feel to it yeah, yeah for sure totally yeah, yeah no. and I, go, ahead, go ahead i didn't have anything useful to say go for it <laughs> okay i mean i i rarely do anyways but um <laughs> no you know uh, uh well first of all just a shout out to the brother uh kevin j o'connor of the 1999 mummy fame you know good for you yes dude yes <laughs> no, I, I can't believe he like humbled himself to do this movie after 1999 yeah. like i mean you know, hard times man. needed yeah. some work desperate yeah, you know ironically <laughs> i think he also played igor in the van helsing movie Oh, wow. um, oh my god so honestly it's a and again it's not like i know this guy's whole filmography or anything but it, it was a little surprising seeing him in a serious role you know considering what else i've seen him in but i thought he did a really good job He's and again I, yeah yeah He's, sorry <laughs> and I, I think that it's i think it's the you know for you know people saying that it's maybe a slower part of the movie i feel like it's a big turning part in the movie because this is also I mean, the first time we see him, like, actively kill someone, right? Yep. yep. And so, you know, that's also <clears throat> a little bit more, like, of an emotional reaction to than he kind of has put out. Like, he was sad, you know, when his kid went deaf and everything. But even after the um, explosion, the, you know, huge fire explosion, he's just like, you know, he doesn't even seem that bothered by it because he knows there's still an ocean out there. So, like, yep. he's fine. But this is the first time he gets, 
like his anger kind of gets the best of him. And then we know that becomes more of a common thing, especially in the end there. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I thought it was super, super necessary. Like, first of all, this movie has a near three hour runtime. And at the end of it, I was like, could have fooled me. I was engaged no. the whole, you know, yeah, like, I, yeah. I don't know where yeah. the time went, dog. And I yeah. like, uh, but like, I, I thought that that whole piece. What, what'd you say? It is a study in pace. Like, oh yeah, it's just yeah. relentless. Yeah. It just keeps yeah. going. I, I didn't view it as a lull whatsoever. No, I, I I was seeing the hero's journey in that part. You know, like in the sense that, like, which first of all, we have an anti-hero protagonist, like a, a very very despicable anti-hero I, I, protagonist. I mean, it's tough to call and, him a protagonist, but yeah, yeah. the role <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. he's and, at the very least the main character. Um, yeah, there, yeah. It is. Yeah, there it is. Uh, there it is. And so. Um, and so to get us to stick with him for this long, for three fucking hours, this like horrible, despicable human, for us to keep giving a shit about him, I think you first of all needed to humanize him some, you know, have have him yeah. save a few cats, you know, like that that needed to happen. <laughs> um, but this also just to me was incredible. Like this was like just a dark take on the hero's journey is all yep. it was to me. Like, and okay. and that was the beat where, you're coming to terms with what holds ultimate power in your life, which is simply this. This dude is clearly running from his past and we never get to find out why because he never would have told anyone. That's exactly yeah. what the character would have done. He would have Brilliant never, never yeah. talked about his pain, but he's yeah. running from his past and just like being like, I'm going to be the opposite of whatever I was when that horrible thing happened to me. You know, like I'm just mm -hmm. going to be not that. Mm -hmm. That's all I care about. And, um, and also you just saw like, um, that was part of his arc of being brought low. Um, and, and just like, not only did he get grifted, but even after that, like the one thing you saw him show some remorse about was his abandonment of HW like that, mm -hmm. that bothered him. He, he truly felt that he'd been disloyal to himself, you know, like even in, yeah. even in his cynicism, even in his jadedness and his just like being okay with exploiting people, he still had like, a small number of things he held sacred. And one of them was like the kind of father that he was, you know, like misguided or not, he wanted to think he was doing a good job, you know, like yeah. that's, that's, that's the perfect way to frame it, man. Like yeah. it, exactly. Just, it's more of him being disappointed in himself than like yeah. actually abandoning HW. Exactly. Right? Or like, oh, yeah. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't think <laughs> yeah. about HW and how he no. feels. He just, and, and again, primary motivation is image maintenance now yeah, the yeah. whole world like he's lying he lies about it all the time my son got sick his wife died in childbirth uh he's always lying and now the whole world knows that his image is damaged it's not that he did something horrible it's that people know about it that really can't that really can't sit with him and i think like and because another thing about narcissist is if you cross them you will be targeted as a vendetta. Like if you give them that narcissistic yeah, yeah. wound. And so basically all of that whole arc with his brother is people crossing him. And that is what is earning you him beating Eli to death with a bowling pin. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. what is making the final moments of the movie make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're, they're putting in, they're putting in the foundation at that time, you know, like, so I just, I never once questioned it as a lull and I just always saw the like from a story perspective, the utility of it, even if like were, were these events as necessary, I don't know, but was this journey necessary to do this? Like, like a very 
like a very airtight hero's journey i I would say you know like for 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 as like for as different as this movie is from a story structure perspective it was a pretty straight path like it really truly was you know um so kind of adjacent to this um in particular like his meeting with the brother um i just kind of want to open a little discussion about daniel's uh sexuality or kind Mm. of lack thereof um because in this scene we know one we know he's a booze hound you know he's drunk all the time but we see him with his brother who's also a booze hound in a you know like kind of a brothel sort of thing and he's just uninterested and uh so at first i thought like oh you know maybe he's gay or maybe he's asexual or something but i looked up and i guess um in the script but not in the movie there's a scene where uh daniel uh breaks down and grabs his crotch and says to his brother uh he's not my son my cock doesn't even work uh how am i gonna make a kid does yours work henry um and so you know i must i must have missed that line yeah, well, I, I have no, no recollection it's, it's, of that. Yeah, not in the not, script. It's not but... in the movie. It's oh, in the movie. oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. I got I got confused. I was like, what? That changes yeah, everything. Just, Where actually, the fuck was my head at that point? Exactly. But so like I wonder if that's also a like a factor because again, he lies about having a wife. He doesn't have a romantic relationship throughout this entire thing, you know. Again, the only affection he really shows is to marry Sunday as a child, you know. So I love and like what were your guys' kind of thoughts about him as a sexual being? <laughs> okay, really quick, just to interject. Now the sight of an oil derrick collapsing as he's watching uh-huh. it burn on fire now means so much more sense if you want to look yes. at it as a fact. Oh my god. There's a lot of fucking stuff. Here. Freud would just have the a oil field day with that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean the oil rig, yeah. I think I think I think sex is just like not a thing for him. I think it's just not even in his brain waves at all. Like I I, I truly think yeah. Like it, it's weird. Like that's a good point, Don. I think there is a lot of like he gets his kicks off of that stuff. He's like, holy shit, I'm looking at like money right now. Like I'm just looking at my success and my wealth in front wow. of me. Like that, that. Like I think the idea of success and then when he attains it is like what drives him in every aspect of everything um i'm glad they didn't keep that line in about his dick not working um i think it's a little like yeah. leaves too much of it or like it, it's too like prescriptive right like yeah 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 yeah, 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 sure. yeah 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 and um who knows why he's this way maybe he's asexual but like i still like there definitely are like sexual components to this movie. Like the, an oil derrick itself is, is presented as very phallic in this movie. Yeah. There's, and it's just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think he really like in the brothel, he's just kind of sulking and just like, doesn't want to engage with it at all. Like, I, I don't think that's what he wants. Like, and when he gets what he wants, he's not happy. So like, I don't know what the fuck he wants. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, and I think it's an interesting aspect again, when talking about how like image is so important to him, but, not to the point that he's like faking a marriage or anything like that, you know, right, like right. you would think that's what he would want to do. But again, he's, that's just so well, he found a, not he found a better way out to fuck with it. Just yeah. Lie yeah. to everyone. My wife, my wife never happened. My wife died in childbirth. That is like, yeah. that is just such a like period of like, people won't investigate that further. Right. Oh, yeah. I think that's, yeah. yeah, that's just perfect for him. It's like saying yeah. I couldn't come to your party because I had horrible diarrhea. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, all right. Yeah. No one will ask questions. Yeah, like, unless okay, you, yeah, unless yeah, you no, use I'll... that excuse too much. Right. But if it's just the one time they'll, they'll just be like, say no more, say no more. 100%. Sorry for even asking, right? Like it's it's the perfect <laughs> weapon, right? Like, 
Um, I don't know, man. I like I look at it as this, and I'm like, I could see his sexuality as being completely irrelevant. Like, I think yep. if you if you wanted to make a, a case that like maybe he hates himself because being gay would have been unacceptable to his image. Mm. I think you can make a really good case and that would, that, that lens would enhance, would enhance the movie. Um, I think you could make a case that dude, it's just like relationships. He like just literally doesn't see the point of them for yeah, like yeah. For this thing that is just like self-evident and just like needs no explanation for all of us of like, why would, why would you want to just like have a relationship with someone that you just, just to do it? And we're like, cause I do, why yeah. would I want to eat? Well, cause yeah. my life's better when I eat it, Like, it's just really not <laughs> yeah. my life's better when I ha like have people in my life that I care about and who care about me. Like, that's just so obvious. And yeah, it would totally make sense to me. It, like, I think you could be like, Oh dude, I'll bet he fucks all the time. It's just always off camera because why it just doesn't yeah. it's just irrelevant <laughs> to him. It's not yeah. like not none of it was meaningful. So why would we show it in the story? You know, like none of for it sure. mattered, yeah. right? Like Yeah, and I and I think it was just like that moment for me where his brothers like again trying to get laid, you know, and like again, typically, you know, drunks, you know, like in like in movie settings, you know, we're also looking to get hooked up and he just seemed so uninterested in it all. And so yeah, yeah. I just, I, think I just found again, and it, it furthers again, this talking point of, you know, he's just, he has no interest in relationships of any sort, you know? So yeah, yeah. I, 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 thought, I thought it was kind of an interesting choice. I don't, I don't think he has any interest in closeness or really human beings. Like that, yep. I, I don't think he has any, yeah. uh, Again, unless they are to his benefit to achieve something else, uh, then it's just wasted time. Yep. Yeah, and, and and oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. I cut you off. No, 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 no. Like in, as far as his perspective is concerned. Totally. Yeah, and and I think one significant relationship, and this is kind of my segue into like maybe wrapping this up because we're talking. I love talking about this movie. I don't want to take uh -huh. up all the time. In, in um, the interest of Phil getting to dinner no, within no, no, the next no, hour and a half. No, no, no. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. I was like. I ain't got shit to do. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about it for two more hours and my, then do our two other movies. But if you've got a place to be, we should probably. No, my friends, my friends know I'm doing this, so they're like totally fine with it. Uh, it's okay, more. Okay. I just want to say the relationship that is significant is with, um, sadly, kind of like about my point. The one who's not talked about the most in this movie is Paul Dano as Eli Sunday, who is just fucking Insane. unbelievable. Like, like yeah. I still for me, Daniel Day Lewis's performance in this movie is like up there, like top three, so top good. five all time, right? Uh, Paul Dano like goes toe to toe with him in every single oh, scene yeah. and like rarely gets talked about in the same sentence of this movie. Um, that relationship between them is remarkable. Obviously, as we've mentioned, capitalism versus the church and just kind of how they come head to head and like literally bashing a head in <laughs> by the end oh, of it. And then um, capitalism will kill the church and we'll yep. be spiritually dead. But holy uh, shit. I, I like it's one of those like <laughs> a Batman reference, right? He was just in a Batman movie. Like they kind of complete each other in a lot of ways too. Like it is a mm -hmm. relationship that they they resent each other, but there's like a respect there that they don't acknowledge. And like they need each other for like for various things, right? Like money or like he needs to get baptized and all this stuff, man. Like just just tremendous performance by him. Um, as was mentioned earlier, the like scene of him um healing the uh the arthritic woman uh it's just like put that on his reel of like where, where's the oscar uh -huh. nomination right oh like oh my god that was um, 
Yeah, he's he's just like, and he's the one I think. Um, as we kind of in our messages, uh, we're talking about like the legwork gimmick, right? Of like, I I think like Paul Dano just like this movie doesn't work in a lot of ways without him, like okay. without his performance. And it's funny, it almost didn't happen. I don't know if you knew this, guys. Uh, he only was supposed to play Paul Sunday in the beginning, oh, and so the guy sure. who played Eli Sunday had to like drop out like mid filming. So they just made it a twin brother plotline. Yeah, 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 hundred yeah, okay. <laughs> percent. And I, I just real quick, I will say again, I haven't watched this movie since you know two thousand seven. So of course I forgot bits. It like it was jarring for me to realize that those were actually two different characters. Yeah, like I was. I, just, I agree. I, I, I don't know why. Just in my head, I was like, oh, he, you know, he's just fooling his family. You know, he he went and talked to him earlier. I'm like, oh shit, no, those are. Those are two different characters. So yeah, yeah, I no, I thought that was a that was a plot line until you guys are discussing it right now. Okay, <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, and I think there's I think there's a moment in the film where it acknowledges that too when he like first sees him like on the land and like Daniel Day Lewis just kind of like stops for a second. I think that's kind of even the movie being cheeky of like, oh yeah, they're twins. Don't worry about it. Like just don't uh -huh, think about yeah. it too hard. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even <laughs> notice that. I, I didn't notice that they looked so much alike. Uh, I don't know if I'm face blind or something, but the only. <laughs> reason i knew it was because i i pulled up imdb to be like i could have sworn that guy was in little miss sunshine oh yeah, yeah. he was but i saw oh, that yeah. he, i saw that he was credited as both characters and i was yeah, like yeah well they're brothers they should look alike that's actually kind of smart yeah. you know like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and they they made him look different enough that i didn't question it you know like that yeah. uh, that worked out really well for them i didn't know it was a uh a marriage yeah. of convenience if you will could, rather it, than a, like a choice and almost say that yeah what if right like what what would have happened i'm sure it would have been a great movie either way but like damn he's so good in this and like that's how the ending scene works like that's how the uh i've abandoned my child scene works it's just them playing off each other like just to highlight those scenes like uh, there's so much to talk about this movie but man like it's just two titans it like locking in right of just like the existential like capitalist first church thing we've been talking about and yeah just like shouts out there i had to put that in there no, yeah. absolutely. And we, and we try to stay away from religion and politics here on Movies for Win, but this movie absolutely necessitates it. So oh, yeah. I, I, really, I, really, I really want to say this clearly. I really do. If you are a Christian, I would never want for you to listen to our show and feel bullied or excluded yeah. or, or feel like this is not for you. Um, I would say this, like, capitalism is an animal that will exploit anything anyone cares about. And yeah. Christians are being exploited in the same way the LGBT community is being exploited by like the illusion of, of like in this world where Greg Abbott is doing what he's doing to the families of trans teenagers and target is selling trans rights t-shirts. Oh, you yeah. know, I'm like, sure. yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying Christians are unique in this, you know, like, yeah. but I'm like, yeah. like, this is, this is absolutely like a cynical monster of exploiting people that will, that will monetize anything anyone gives a shit about. Like yeah. if, if, if you care about it, it's a grift. It's a grift. And yeah, we, yeah. we all get yeah. grifted. Everyone here gets grifted. Um, Dylan has a Beetlejuice sign behind him. I'm wearing a Beetlejuice shirt because <laughs> we care about Beetlejuice and they fucking sold us something. And you know, like that's, Oh yeah. I'm not saying we're the ones that like see all that we see well, higher. Yeah. I'm saying yeah. like, and that's the point know. this movie's making. I think, you know, this movie is obviously critical of religion, but uh, Paul Dano's character is, I mean, he's not necessarily a bad guy. He wants, yeah. uh, he wants to build his community. He wants, you know, to make his church better so he can help people, you know, 
but he is portrayed as kind of a a weak, you know, entity that can get pushed around by Daniel's, you know, yeah. capitalism. And he literally just kicks the shit out of him a lot in this movie. Yeah. So <laughs> it kills him. I, I, yeah, exactly. So I, I do think that, you know, again, the real the threat here is capitalism because it will strangle the life out of anything yeah. it can. And in this particular you know movie religion you know kind of plays into that so right yeah, and, I, and I think this is a good time to uh, go to our ad break uh to win squarespace you know what better way to sell your personal brand uh, than to make beautiful websites on squarespace no, no free no free ads personality is um, <laughs> your conservative ideals you can find a way of selling stuff on squarespace with their easy to use platform and <laughs> Uh, invest in crypto while you're at it. Yeah. Um, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Let's just start checking <laughs> yeah. the boxes here. Well, do you guys, so... guys want to know why Movies for Win hasn't sold out yet? Huh. <laughs> do you want to know why? 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 Yes. Because Greg and I are too lazy to contact the PR firms of the people we think would sponsor us. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> we that's we know fair. how to do it, and we probably will one day. Yeah. Because. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for... Well, and because this is this is. Well, it's a point that I was going to make about like I'm I'm not of the impression that most pastors are charlatans. I really don't mm. think so. Um, mm-hmm. I I think like there's a special type of person, like like the character Daniel in this movie, that is like I know what I'm doing is evil and cynical and exploitative, and I will do it anyway because I benefit and I don't care. Um, I'm actually of the impression that those people are very rare. Uh, they 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 do exist, but. I'm I'm of the impression that like with the exclusion of even just like a couple televangelists, I'd even go as far as to say my assumption is that on some level, most televangelists have like worked their dissonance into something they can maintain and tell yeah. themselves they're they're doing something good just because for the most part, that is how people work. And we, we find a way to justify doing what we already wanted to do. Um well, but like it's, you know, it's, again, it's, not to get on too far of a tangent here, but I don't know if you guys watch The Righteous Gemstones at all. Um, I need to start it. Start it's it. really yeah. good. But again, you know, you would think that is a show that's cynical about, you know, religion, but it's really not. It's yeah. like the characters in that show, for all of their flaws, it's not because they're evil. It's because they care so much about it that they don't know any other way of living. They do yes. think that getting all of this money for their church is going to be able to extend their reach to help them do more and then of course that money gets mishandled and you know kids are raised in privilege and again i'd say they're the bigger you know criticism there is when you know religion starts morphing into capitalism and you're selling shirts for your church you're you know opening theme parks for your church and all this shit so yeah um, well, that's the thing as someone who professionally monetizes mental illness it, like i'm not joking uh, yeah. like I, I make i make no qualms about it that i'm like yeah. i know how to treat mental illnesses people are mentally ill and they they literally pay money for a relationship with me um yeah and yeah uh, i i try to make it as for as affordable as i can but like the reality is dude i have i have worked at, at, at a lot of nonprofits in my life and what I have found is that, like, this system does not reward people who are trying to do good. That's right um, that, like, yeah. you, it, like, what happens when you try to do good is that you will have too few resources and the people who really care will get absolutely exploited. Um, 
and that's bad. But when you're, when you're, I, I don't even like, I, I think it's propaganda that blames an individual. Um, and like, believe me, like, dude, I, I don't know that I'd be alive right now if I didn't get free therapy. Um, yeah. and, and I, I give it out every time I can. Like I, I, I tell my clients all the time, like, Hey, money will not be the reason that you can't come to therapy. Um, these are, these are my rights. I will work with you. you know, like whatever it is, like it, we're going to figure something out where you can get the help that you need. Yeah. Um, but all that goes to say, man, it would be way easier for me to be like, my practice is in South Lake, Texas. My rate is $200 an hour. There it is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm the only male yeah. therapist who works with children, you know, like, uh, like <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. if I truly wanted to sell out, that's, that's the path that makes the most sense for my own self-interest. But if you're a person of principles, like I assume all of us, I, I don't assume that. I know you guys. I know we're all principles. <laughs> um, you the know, there's, there's more to, like, to quote Fargo, there's more to life than a little bit of money. And this is what I love about, about where we leave the character Daniel is I've seen, I don't know that I've ever seen anything sadder in my life than watching a narcissist grow old. Yeah. Um, yep. Because eventually people figure out their game and, and they, they, they tend to die very lonely, very wealthy. And just in this absolute either inability or unwillingness to like look at themselves and be like, maybe I'm the problem. Um, mm -hmm. And if, like, and there's just something like that you can't help but feel sorry for that. Like you, you, you narcissist who I used to resent, you watch them grow old and you're just like, dude, what a waste. I, just, I wish you had a better life. I wish yeah. I just, I wish well, you didn't I... have to suffer like this and, and you deserve it. Like these are the, like the, where, where we leave the character, Daniel are the natural consequences of the choices that he has demand. Like he has demanded that his life be this sad. Yeah. Like he yeah. is well, absolutely demanded to live such a sad existence and it doesn't that, make it any less sad. Right. And that's essentially exactly what we get from his son when, you know, they have, have this separation. He's just like, he's not even that heartbroken about his dad dismissing him. You know, he, he just wishes that he was a happier guy, and yep. but he knows he can't, so he's gonna go do his own thing, and he seems like he'll have a happy life because of it. So, yep. you know, there's a little bright spot to end <laughs> end it on. Um, but so, you know, we did mention the uh, the gimmick of the week. Um, Denny, did you want to maybe give us uh, the definition of what we're doing this week, and then uh, we yes. got filled, but we can pop ours in there. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I don't remember who originally suggested it, but I loved it so much. Um, for, for our honeymooning comrade, I was going to say fallen comrade, but I was like, it's having like one of the best weeks of his life right now. Like, come on. Yeah. It's on his honeymoon. Like, um, Is his wife a listener? Like, careful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that Leah listens, honestly. She's never told me she does. Uh, uh, I'll bet she does. All that goes to say, um, all that goes to say, uh, in honor of Greg, we decided that our gimmick for this week would be our favorite instance of doing the legwork in tribute to Greg work, the legwork Johnson. Um, why don't we start in our mic sinking order? Phil, what is your favorite instance of doing the legwork? Uh, yeah, it's got to be Paul Dano, man. Uh, like just him quite literally just 
the dynamic between those two doesn't work if he's not in it. I think I just like firmly believe he was made to be Eli Sunday. Like so glad it happens. Um, just love the pitting of those two together. They're just like all time performances. It just it makes the movie come together and work. There you go. Nice. So um, I went a little literal with mine. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, my favorite piece of leg work is the legs in the really gross pits of oil. I just think all of the the set design and just the grossness of this movie is just really good. Like when Daniel's in knee deep to in just this oil, like I just can't even imagine acting in that, let alone, you know, like breathing it in and everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, who knows? Maybe that's just like a big old tub of cornstarch or something, but I love, character like, work, I guarantee Daniel Day Lewis like lived in like an oil yeah. tank, like just like <laughs> slamming oil every night. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oil. <laughs> but yes, uh, my my legs are legs within oil. Uh, so Don, on to you. Uh, I mean, it's got to be Daniel Day. I mean, he he's the, uh, the he. He is putting this entire movie on his back, his decrepit back, which I did not realize. So his first, like that main injury in the first scene, he carries that over literally the entire movie. And it's something I never noticed until the second rewatch. I'm like, oh, yep. yeah, he's got he is doing backbreaking labor with a broken back. This yep. entire movie. Um, on that note, by the way, something I completely forgot to mention was that like something I loved the most about this movie was the the use of title to manipulate the audience expectations. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, your ears perk up every time they say the word blood in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, from the first time we see oil, blood is spilt in it. You know, yeah, like yeah. it's just oh. a way of saying this is always <laughs> blood money. Like yep. this is corrupted. Um, but on that note, my favorite uh, my favorite example of doing the legwork was uh, in true to our discussion about capitalism. Every single time Daniel Day Lewis sat on his ass while everybody else did the legwork, um, <laughs> the the character literally never once in the whole movie did the actual legwork of he, he just sat there and told people what to do and and mm -hmm. and organized, but he he didn't do the legwork. And so shout out shout out to the labor class of this movie. Um <laughs> our people, our people. Yeah. Um you, you know, if only you had a podcast to go with your poor Richard's almanac, you might have you might have heard a discussion <laughs> like that. I don't know. What did they do for entertainment in the 1800s? I don't know. Um Dude, I think they just worked and slept. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, got drunk as shit. I was going to say, they drank and fucked too. They yeah, lived yeah. balanced lives. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know. We don't know if he did. I will say too, as, as I'm... He drank. He drank. I, I he did drink. Too, he did drink. I will say, as I'm uh, waking up a little hungover this morning, like, man, when he sips that water, oof, everyone has been there, you know. When he's oh, my God. Alley, like, and he just oh, like... Oh. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all that. Do you think tip, Daniel yeah. Plainview calls the poor Richard's Albanac the broken or the broke dick Albanac? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. He he actually names his penis uh, poor Richard. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I had to put some dick jokes somewhere. No, dude, we that's, need that's it. A we good need point. It. We need those. Yeah, the third leg work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you only knew, um, okay. Philip, <laughs> what is uh, what is your favorite? What's your favorite line? Oh man, I wrote a bunch down. Like, I mean, I think the most iconic is obviously "I drink your milkshake." Right. Um, 
uh, like I've abandoned my child again. That one's great. But I think I, I just kind of like made myself do this. Um, I think it's that's one goddamn hell of a show. Um, when he says that to Eli after the, the 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 first like kind of preaching scene, and that's just kind of how I talk about this movie. It's one goddamn hell of a show. Perfect. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Love it. So I kind of have a runner-up, and these are like loose quotes. I meant to look them up after the fact, but didn't. But the uh, kind of my runner-up is. Um, like right after the um, uh, he goes deaf, you know, he just goes, is HW okay? And just, just such a straight, like, no, he isn't is I, the no, he isn't was like really fucking haunting for me. And that was also paired with just when he's holding his son and he's just like trying to make noise that he can hear. I think it was like a mom, mom, you know, like he's trying to hear something like, he obviously can't hear himself was just fucking heartbreaking uh but my my uh my main quote kind of because i thought it was funny but i think it was also a bit of foreshadowing was when they uh went to go meet their uh or like they came across the lawyers um from i think like union oil or whatever and uh he said uh the lawyer said to his son um i'll be your lawyer um we got to make sure you know you don't get swindled and then, you know, I thought it was funny at the time, but then obviously his dad, you know, just fucks up his life a fair amount. Um, and, and then they split ways. So I don't know. I just thought it was like kind of a good little foreshadowing bit there. Hell Love yeah. It. Love it. Uh, aside from the, the the heavy hitters of Milkshake and Abandon My Child, uh, I think when he's talking to the realtors, he's like, is this land for sale? He's like, well, yeah, it's all for sale. Like, there's that just that moment where it's just like even the realtors just like, yeah, it's all for purchase depending yeah. on what the price is. We'll sell anything, yeah. right? Everything yep, is for yep. sale on a certain level, even if not for a monetary price, right? Like they they wanted to like what he got his last piece of land with. He bought with like public humiliation and degradation. Every the people wanted to see him humiliated, and he paid that price, right? Like, but. Yeah. He bought it nonetheless, right? Um, my favorite line, it's not even, because this movie has a lot of powerhouse lines. Um, I just assumed I Drink Your Milkshake was going to be my favorite, and it was so fucking good when he finally hit it. Um, but this was actually one that really stood out to me, even though the line itself is really not very memorable. It's the delivery. It's when he's talking to his fake brother, and he says, I don't want to talk about those things. Um, simply because it was the first and one of the only, not the only, but it was the first time in the movie that I feel like the character Daniel was, was cracking a little bit, you know, like we were yep, seeing that yep. like this man who has built his whole persona out of being invulnerable is finally like two hours into the movie, finding something that makes him a little uncomfortable, finding a situation that he's not in control of. And he's, you know, like you just see him. He's been asked a question that he knows he can't bullshit his way through. You know, like he's it's the emotion yeah. is gonna show. And so he just like eats the emotion and goes, I don't want oh, to yeah. talk about those things. Um, yeah. and it was just so good to me. Um Greg Work, the legwork Johnson has requested that I that it is stated that his favorite line is I have a competition in me. I don't remember where that is in the movie. I only saw same, it once. same uh, with his brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you guys, do you guys want to score it? You guys score movies? So that doesn't everyone? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we're we're letterbox boys, Denny. So I, yeah. I mean, this is a this is a six out of five stars for me. Six I'm, out of five from you. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dylan, what would you rate it? 
I I did uh, put it on Letterbox. I can't remember if I did it. It might have been a five. If it wasn't a, four, a five, it was a four and a half. But um, yeah. yeah, just uh, excellent. <laughs> um, obviously. Uh, did this movie just score? Um, I uh, Greg would like for it to be acknowledged that it is a thirty-seven out of forty from him. Greg's oh, a little nice, bit yeah. of a, Greg's a little bit of a tougher grader than I am, but that is a uh, if you get over thirty-five from Greg, you did pretty fucking good. That's that's yeah. a high compliment. Um, I gave it a fifty out of fifty. Um, this is is a five star for me i ended it and was just sitting there like my my one rule for what makes it a 50 is you know it in your heart like there's just if there's any doubt that it's a 50 then it's not um if you have to make a case for why it is then it's not and i was literally sitting there as the credits were rolling and i was like i cannot think of a single way this movie could have been any better like i just (laughs) I, i like this is this is as good as this movie could possibly be at doing what it was trying to do. You know, like I think it yeah. exceeded just the, the with the highest honors it could exceed at, at doing what it set out to do. 50 out of 50 for me. Wow. And on that note, how, how many uh, other, yeah. How many 50s do I have? Yeah, uh, or at least on the show. I know on the show many. I've got no idea. I know Let's see on my Criticer, I've ranked 875 films and I will count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. Oh, get him out! Twenty-six out of eight hundred and seventy-five. Okay. It's, wow, it's a. I, I, I don't do fractions, but yeah. uh, I, 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 I'm a slave to recency bias, and uh, I'm also an easy grader. Like I like liking things for the most part, but. Yeah. For the record, like 30 is a pass, but I really do try to keep that like magic 50 something really special. And th- this was something really special to me. Yeah. So, well, there you go. Good, good work, Phil. Honored, guys. I love Excellent like this. Pick. Like, talk about my favorite movie in a podcast. Fuck yeah. Let, Fuck let's, yeah. Keep, let's keep it rolling. So, really quick, guys, guys, I'll do it a crossword real quick. Uh, it's a eight letter word for a an immaculate edit. <laughs> <laughs> See, see don't this get brother. What? You got us. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Not that from your perspective we ever left. I love when Greg says we're back because I'm always listening yeah. to it. I'm like, to the audience, we didn't go Bad anywhere. Break. Yeah. <laughs> we're not back. We literally were just talking in the last sentence. <laughs> More from Squarespace. No, I think Don snuck it on us. He he did seamless edit us. That's how you do it. That's how you do it, brother. This this man's a friend of the show. This man gets it. Guys, I just love that, like, I love that now we're we're all micro celebrities amongst our own friends. <laughs> like that's that's what I love most about our podcast is that like usually when you listen to a podcast, people name drop like, oh my god, like last week Jack Black said this to me. I used him, <laughs> but like Greg and I are like literally just name dropping. We're two non-famous guys name dropping our non-famous friends. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. I love Sp- it. Speaking into existence. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're just fucking random <laughs> people <laughs> acting like. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. I love Amazing. it. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, uh, if we we're gonna go in order of Mike sinks, then that would mean Final Girls. Yes. I yes. believe that is correct. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, Dylan, would you like to to summarize it and then seamlessly edit it into your relationship with the movie after you're done summarizing it? And then we'll go Don, me, then Phil. Yeah, we'll give my best. And, you know, I know that, Denny, you tend to, like, kind of summarize the entire movie and Greg kind of, like, just gives the log line for it. So I figured... Do whatever you want. I I hate summarizing the movies. Yeah. Uh, Do whatever you're comfortable with. It's, um, so the... Uh, story here is we've got uh, Max played by I think it's Thaisa uh, Formiga um, is uh, her mother died the previous year and she's reeling with you know having to deal with that uh, but her mother was a um, scream queen in a notable uh, slasher series Friday the 13th I mean uh, Camp Bloodbath um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh she has been invited by her best friend's stepbrother to come uh, do a forum about uh, the the duology of movies that her mom starred in. Um, but when they go to see it, a magic uh, last action hero-esque movie screen uh, transports them into the movie itself. And they have to figure out how to survive the next 192 minutes um, and hopefully get back home. Uh but along the way, uh, we, you know, are reintroduced to a fictionalized version of Max's mother and uh, might just have to deal with some of our grief. Uh, so if the if There Will Be Blood was about daddy issues, um, we've got mommy issues, too. So uh, we've Boy got the whole we. family. Boy, but, uh, but yeah, so it's it's a parody, not even a parody, really. Like it's it is the camp bloodbath itself is kind of a fictionalized version of friday the 13th um and so you've got a jason board he's standing and all that but um yeah no I, it's a little new nightmare as well very meta um uh, but they do a lot of fun stuff with it um uh, so my relationship with this movie and again i you know denny kind of asked us to pick our favorite movies and i absolutely hate picking really anything in the world but especially picking a favorite movie but this is the one i tend to go to bat for the most because i just feel like it's really underrated like not many people have heard about it and it's got a stellar cast who like would become pretty big like a year or two after this came out i just don't think it really got the distribution it deserved and i think it's kind of a weird cult classic um that you know i just always am kind of telling people about so i figured you know why not come on a podcast and talk about it and you know, coming off of there will be blood. I wanted to add a little bit of levity, so uh, probably probably a good call. And this is a hell of a gear change. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. I'm still sure. adjusting. It's to like, I know. <laughs> are about to fire out from under the hood of this car if we are switching gears. <laughs> it's great. Like, couldn't get like a fucking silly meta commentary on a silly fucking genre, but <laughs> but it also has a, a ton of heart. Like. Yeah. Yes, it does. So yes, they, it does. It yes, should it does. just be a stupid kind of run, but like I, I find myself legitimately tearing up at the end of this every oh, time I watch oh, it. Dude, time, time. Uh, anyways, Don, Don yeah, what's cool. your relationship with the final girls? I have never heard of this movie before. Uh, my first relationship with it was buying it at a movie trading company because there you go. <laughs> I know they purchase. I'm glad I do. Um, mine is a, a couple of years ago. I want to say 2020. It's all a blur since, yeah. you know, well, since 2020. Um, friend of the show, and uh, uh, I don't know what his title is in Fright 90, which is the film production company that uh, 
I co-founded with him. Usually he's the guy who does most of the pre-production shit and handles all the stuff. Um, Matt Lancaster, we, we were just like, dude, we all need to get together and just watch some horror movies. I think I picked Rocky Horror that day and, uh, and Matt picked the final girls and I never heard of it. And uh, Vanessa and I immediately fell in love with it. Like we were just like, I, I think she likes it even more than I do. You know, like she like, uh, like she made a point to watch it with me yesterday. And today she was like, yeah, man, I think, uh, I think there will be blood is going to be kind of your thing today. So enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not the mood I'm in. Which yeah. is very fair. Very fair. She was like, three-hour drama about capitalism set yeah. in the 1800s you're good you know what have fun with your podcast any she, uh, yeah. she, fair. she's it's usually fair. pretty yeah. enthusiastic <laughs> about uh about participating you know um but uh, yeah we we just loved it uh this this was the second time i've watched it since and i still love it i i, I think it's really good um phil i'll throw to you yeah, so uh, never had never heard of it, seen it, uh, the whole deal. Watched it this week. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, we'll get into just like the camp and everything. Uh, honestly, just because I'm sure you guys are way more into horror. Uh, like horror is actually like definitely a blind spot in my film lovingness. Oh, uh, how interesting! Like yeah, I, I, it's because honestly, I'm a weenie. Like I just get so scared <laughs> in movies. Um, like. I, I watched The Exorcist on Halloween, like for the first time as an adult. Like I saw it as a kid, right? But like, first of all, we could do a whole podcast about that movie. It's fucking incredible. But like that even uh, well, scared me. Yeah. Like, and I think that's well, just- Well, I don't, I don't know if you're aware that's the basis of this movie. Ah, um, yeah, yeah, the, okay. The, really? the, write, the writer of this movie is the son of the father in um, The Exorcist. Wow, and he, okay, uh, okay. And so he wrote about how there was, I think I wrote the quote down. Uh, yeah, he goes, I grew up watching my dad in The Exorcist, and there's something haunting, strange, confusing, and a little bit unnatural to see your parent constantly die in a film. And so yeah. that's what wow. he ended yeah, up yeah. writing. Oh, that's this amazing. Movie about. And, yeah. So. And, and man, like, yeah, like, I, I, I've grown to, like, I'm kind of making myself watch more horror movies. Uh, my buddy, who's actually dinner I'm going to later, uh, it's a big horror guy. And so he's been kind of guiding me recently. Um, I watched Hereditary with him, and that's like Ooh. what broke the boundary for me of like yeah. I can do anything. Like I can watch yeah. anything. If, if you uh, can get through Hereditary, yeah, yeah, you're exactly. good. You're good. If you can cope with that, it doesn't get much scarier. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like that movie. <laughs> that uh, movie it, fucked with me. Seriously, same, same here. Um, but uh, actually, lately with him, uh, Nathan shouting him out. Um, he showed he's been getting me into like campy horror. Like we just watched like the original Suspiria, Reanimator. Yeah. So like I'm totally Ooh. like down for this like. Oh my god! It rocks. So, as, as as someone whose anxiety was too bad to watch horror for years, like I loved it in my youth, and then just didn't have the distress tolerance for it. Yeah, my my brother, you are waking up. I'm just I'm, I, I yeah. You are waking I, I, up, and I'm I'm so excited for you. The great well, journey, man. It's great. Yeah. Well, and I think I always find it really interesting when you know uh, people come into horror as adults, you know, because. I mean, at the heart, you know, being scared is such a childish thing, you know, and I feel like so many of us get into horror in our, you know, adolescent years so that like I'm always nervous about like telling people to watch uh, old corny horror movies that I love because there's just no way they're going to find the same value I did when I was 15, you know, 100%, 100%, so, so it, yeah. and, and again, you know, I think dipping your toes into something like hereditary, you know, to use the 
the term elevated horror, you know, is a good stepping stone into that. And we'll get you into some shitty Friday the 13th movies before too long. Yeah. Oh, dude. We have such sights to show you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please. Anyone who is listening, if you want to follow my letterbox, shoot me some wrecks, please. I love this shit now. I'm all on board. I'm all on board. Oh, dude. What what a cool time. I I like, I'm not joking. Like, I I feel like this podcast has kind of made me like publicly the horror guy. Um, I'm not joking. Like, I think it was probably 2016 or 2017 when Vanessa and I were both like, okay. We know that we hate horror. We both agree to that, but we've heard we've heard Poltergeist is really good. You know, like we, we and, yeah. and, I, and I'd yeah, actually yeah. I'd actually seen it like in my youth, and I was like, no wait, Poltergeist is scary, but it slaps. You know, like um, yeah. And then we watched that, and we were like, I loved everything about that experience. And then we just we just kept going, and here I am sitting behind me with like a Thai language Evil Dead Two poster, um, like it's, yeah, it's, wearing a Beetlejuice shirt with uh, two horror movie tattoos on my forearms. Like it's like. There... Quick question for you guys: like, yes. Do you think this is kind of a millennial thing where it's like I don't like horror, and I think because like horror for a lot of us were things a lot like Darkness Falls and things like that. Mm. Darkness Falls is fine. I don't have a huge problem with that movie, but I mean more it's it's a lot of the techniques then were just turn off the lights, say boo. You know, yeah. it was I don't find those horror movies. I just find those startling movies. Like, yes. just, like just if you put a bullhorn in someone's ear and then you press it really loud and and it shocks them, you did not scare them. You surprised them. Yeah. Yeah. Probably like they'll have a visceral response but to me like that's that was really really prevalent in the early 2000s as opposed to like i think 90s 80s 70s takes its time to get the scares in oh, there oh, yeah. I, I, I love 80s. a good 70s horror mm-hmm. man i really do yeah and like the 80s stuff is where they were real, like it's the heyday of practical effects and so many just like like things like the thing and uh, all the all the franchises uh, you know everything just has a very tangible just there's there's even in the fake blood uh look to it you can still just kind of i don't know they're responding to something like there's so much there's something about someone getting splattered with fake blood and their reaction to it as opposed to it just being fake cgi blood or whatever yeah. or like uh, the digital blood cool. composites uh well you. and you know and i think once again it all kind of comes back to capitalism and that sure. horror movies are cheap to produce and they make a ton of money um mm-hmm. we we are also the videotape generation you know oh, so yeah. we had we had access to movies that like yeah i like i was i was re-watching once upon a time in hollywood the other day it's just always so funny to me that like all you could watch was just whatever happened to be on TV. Like the home yeah. video market was an unreal thing until yep. I mean, eighties and that really even the nineties is when it became affordable. Um, so yep. our generation had access to a lot more movies, uh, but it was also kind of, you know, the last hurrah for theaters as well. I mean, you know, I know an Avengers movie is going to make a billion fucking dollars, you know, and you know, the box office is saved quote unquote, but like, how's we licorice were... pizza doing? <laughs> well, well, exactly. <laughs> like, there's, this, there's this window of the '90s and early 2000s that is, you know, we can consume as much entertainment as we want, but we don't have social media like Twitter and TikTok and Instagram that has become the primary 
um, source of entertainment for children mm. and young adults. Yeah. So mm. we mm. we were going to movies every weekend. You know, we're having that collective horror experience. It was like the um, fucking middle school cultural epicenter was yeah, going exactly. to the movies on a Friday mm-hmm. or Saturday night. You know, like well, and and also like that's your primary time to kind of hang out with you know your your colleagues you know your your other students my my esteemed seventh grade colleagues (laughs) exactly but now (laughs) kids do have access to social media and i sound like the oldest fucking man screaming but you're 100 right right. you're but like go go off king i mean just imagine if you had access to all of your seventh grade friends you know twitter profiles and instagram profile and tiktoks like we like they're already so involved in each other's lives because of social media that they don't have to do things like go to the mall to hang out or go see a movie. So, again, I think our generation is kind of the last, you know, I mean, it's the last physical media generation. It's the last, you know, movie theater generation. It's because that was our primary source of entertainment. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think a lot of it stems from that. But also, you know, in the 2000s, you also see a big boom of um, Japanese horror getting tons of American remakes. You've also seen, sure. you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm bullshitting some stats here, but you're, you're also probably seeing an increase of PG-13 horror movies, mm. um, mm-hmm. which I could again, almost guarantee it just by assumption, like just yeah. eyeballing it. I'd yeah. be you've willing the, to bet. The Ring, The Grudge, you know, all of these Japanese remakes, you know, that teenagers are seeing together. And, you know, they're not horror movies in the sense of, you know, blood splatter or heads getting chopped off. They're you know, jump scares and they're just eerie movies and freaky kids and stuff like that. So, um, and I think that's an interesting aspect of this movie. Um, if I'm going to lean a little more critically um, into it, there isn't much blood. There isn't much, you know, like mutilation because I, no, after reading, yeah, well, and, and I think that's a little like scream that I think it was, you know, purposeful, but they didn't want to sexualize women you know because it's an apology is... for doing that for decades it, yeah, yeah exactly is. so yeah, you can't absolutely. you can't do it in the movie that's an apology for that right? exactly like... but so this but also um i guess producers required this movie to be pg-13 so um so again you lose some of that because again you've got studio execs telling you we need kids to see this because that's where money is, you know. What fucking teenager is like deconstruct thirty-year-old movies with your meta commentary? What <laughs> fucking teenager would want to go see the Final Girls? This is a movie for aging millennials, made by aging millennials. Exactly, exactly. Like, so, come the fuck on! So like, I, I, I never have liked this when I was like fourteen years old. Yeah, well, yeah. fourteen. I was waking up. I like. Well, I liked Donnie Darko by the time I was fourteen. I and then that's, cool. and that's the thing kind 13, of seen not a chance no and i think uh so i can't remember who mentioned it now um but like we're getting deep into just like philosophy of horror and stuff right it's like i think that's why like i held off on horror so long personally it's just like i saw it all as like cheap and gimmicky right yeah, it it's, not until, it it's not until it you like you saw, have someone right? guide you yeah it's it's, it's not <laughs> you until you have right someone... <laughs> and it's, hey it's about embracing it and loving it but again <laughs> You see the Italian giallo movies. You yeah. see these like '80s romps where they don't. It's not explicitly like about a woman getting killed, right? It's like you, you find those gems where it's like this. There's magic here, like and and like I want to be chilled to the bone, but not like 
a jump scare. I think it was Don who mentioned it. Of like, yeah. that's why still to the state, uh, The Shining is my favorite horror movie of all time because that movie is just upsetting. Like it, it oh, is not yeah. like it's not even technically scary, right? It's just like it it rocks your like foundation as a person. It, it <laughs> yeah, yeah with you on an emotional <laughs> level. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And that's more interesting to me. Is what I was trying to say, pretty much. No, it, yeah, yeah. back to this movie though. I think all oh, that. that yes, yeah. it's a movie that's uh, that you need to kind of have a database of what they're referencing. Oh yeah, they do really well. Um, like so, basically, when you watch the movie with the characters, they do a good job of like giving you all the like bullet points that here's the scenes that you need to know as an audience member that they know that they know. Um, but also like, you know, our whole thing, like we we knew they were at Camp Crystal Lake as soon as like you know all the the media cues were there yep. for us. Uh, the whole like it's only ninety two minutes long, or yeah. uh, the, the kids, the kids that are gonna have sex are the ones that are gonna die. Like those are notes that like we have like ingrained in our culture. I mean, like you might as well say that like you know you can just get it biggie size for a dollar extra or whatever. It's like just like that ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what this movie does very well is in which makes it so weirdly PG thirteen because it's mm-hmm. like. Well, obviously, the people that are going to understand like this database of 80s schlock are going to be at least 20. So why not? Keep yeah, it? like it felt like I kind of wish it got the R rating. I wish they kind of had. Some I of the- know. I, I agree. Dude, it's something it's a personal soapbox of mine that I'm like. <laughs> in a rated R movie. Compared to the Internet. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> a rated r movie is so unbelievably fucking tame yeah and i I, oh, yeah. I really am adamant that i'm like hey like children really shouldn't be exposed to violence and sexuality that their brains aren't developed enough to process like that that right. that, that can be harmful to a kid like yeah. you yes you shouldn't terrify a child by making them watch the exorcist on an imax you shouldn't show a child pornography like you know like that's that's there's there's evidence-based reasons why that's harmful to a child okay teenagers with the internet yes just (laughs) unrestricted access to the internet we have to make lesser movies so they can come see them because we won't let a teenager into a movie that says the word fuck more than once and shows boobs. Yep. Well, and, <laughs> we have and, to know, make I... childish fucking movies because these <laughs> well, kids with the goddamn internet, <laughs> we and, as a know, society won't let them see an R-rated movie. That's so fucking silly. Well, it's not, silly. Not to, not to out, you know, 15, 14-year-old Dylan as a bit of a creep, Horror movies were kind of my entry into sex, like and yeah. like nudity and stuff like that. Like again, it's you know, Same I dog. guess the inter- internet's probably pretty full blown at that point. So like, I don't know, maybe when I'm like ten, eleven. I mean, the only place I'm seeing boobs is <laughs> a rated R movie. So like, if None anything, we're on a movie podcast right now because our prom nights ruled. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we 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 have to see boobs in movies. Exactly. So like. <laughs> I like if anything, thirteen-year-old Dylan is dismissing PG thirteen movies because I know I'm not going to get that. So like, the the whole concept of like taming this down so more people could see it, an audience that probably wasn't going to go see it anyways, is just wild to me. Um, 
But anyway, I definitely watched Halloween too with some buds because we heard there was a jacuzzi scene, and there was. But then he promptly melted. It was one of those things where we're like, yeah, oh, like it was. It was definitely one. No, of I have the... to watch a needle go in someone's eyeball. That was not the kind of balls I was hoping were in this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, misplaced horniness. Well, but that's I, the thing, though, right? Like, if you're if you're a kid, I don't care if you're like a child, a tween, or a teenager. You always you're like a, a kid's developmental task is literally to get older and to get more mature. And so, like the the like the thing that like that was like when I was in wrestling school, uh, unsolicited wrestling school anecdote as is a staple <laughs> of our podcast. Online movies for win bingo. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but like something our trainer said to us is like there was a lot of like a lot of a lot of moral panic in the late 90s over just how how truly crass and trashy pro wrestling was mm. and they were right um <laughs> like, I, I i don't know that i would have let my kids watch it like my parents let me watch it but uh wwe is is the the world leader in sports entertainment fuck them by the way um <laughs> like really uh really tried to clean up their act went tvpg tried to like repair their image and something my trainer said to us was like hey who got into watching wrestling when it was like super crass and super inappropriate and we all raised our hands and he was like how old were you guys and i was like seven <laughs> like it, like everyone in the class was like we wanted the forbidden fruit you know like that's that's what was so fucking cool about it is that like the powers that be said we shouldn't be allowed to have it and we got it and it rules you know like that's yeah absolutely and and you know if you spend five minutes on or twitter oh sorry what was that dom i said i didn't know what they wanted me to suck but i did know that degeneration x wanted me to suck it and i was all about it (laughs) you joke but that is literal like I, I wanted to buy this cool Degeneration X football jersey at a show sure. that said "Suck It '69," <laughs> and I could not understand why my mom wouldn't let me buy it. Like, <laughs> understand it? Like, was like, I must have been nine years old at this point. If I, if I'm eyeballing it, this was probably when I was nine, and I was like, "Mom, <laughs> DX is so cool. Like, I've wanted this. this is they've been wearing it on TV for months." If dad were here, he'd let me buy it. What is <laughs> what is the deal, mom? And she like leaned into me and she was like, Denny, it suck it. It is a penis. And I was like, <gasps> I still want it, but I yeah. now I understand more. I guess but, I understand your perspective better. <laughs> but again, what what's gonna be one of the biggest revenue drivers of you know wrestling merch? toys like yep. <laughs> i mean they're one of the, the fucking the room i'm sitting in brother <laughs> oh yeah so <laughs> look at this again shit. you have what is a crass <laughs> thing getting yeah, see exactly you have what's considered a crass adult thing being targeted to kids like that's yeah. they know because it, it all comes down to money again look i did we shouldn't have watched there will be blood because that's all we're going to talk about <laughs> i've ruined this podcast <laughs> it started with it, but it's a clusterfuck so let's go exactly exactly but no so and i you know i think there is a if you spend five minutes on horror twitter you're gonna cross over into pro wrestling twitter like they're yes, they go hand in hand insane. 
insane. And I think a lot of it, it's because you get a lot of those same things. It's, it's the camp. It's a little gore, you know, a little violence, you know, yeah. but it's funny too. And I feel like, you know, that's almost the unfortunate thing about this being rated PG-13. They play with so many elements of the horror genre. Like, I love all the title sequences. I love it when it goes mm-hmm. from black and goes black and white. You know, I love all the music cues or slow-mo. Like, they do all that so well. You know they could have done some really cool stuff with, like, practical effects and gore and all that stuff. So, again, you know, not to shit on the movie that I chose as my favorite, but there is an element of that lacking a bit here. And it's a yeah. shame we didn't get to see that. Well, yeah, it's 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 a middle ditch's description of of the finale versus the finale we actually got. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of it. yeah. Yeah. I was basically watching it and being like, "Ooh, I'm gonna get to see that." Like this movie's meta. They're telling me how the movie ends, and then it ended in a slightly less cool way. It was emotionally yeah. much cooler, but visually, mm-hmm. uh, far just a spinning head. Okay. Yeah. Like. Uh, well, and so, you know, maybe that's maybe that's a good segue here. Again, I so think back that... to talking about the movie instead of we're, we had, we're having an abstract conversation about the oh, movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and honestly, you know, Denny, you talk about this when you know, like you guys were doing airplane. Like, aside from us sitting down and listing all the jokes and gags in this, you know, what are we here to talk about? And I think it's this, you know, movie's role within horror, and it's you know, kind of turning the camera lens back around on horror itself. Um, uh-huh. I think I think a it's a fun part of schlock schlock horror, but one of the downsides to horror is you don't get very much character development in the mm. killables. You know, it's some would say that's you know um, hey, a feature, not a flaw. You know, but like I would say for as um, as many Friday the Thirteenth movies as I love, I can name you Jason Voorhees, and I probably couldn't name you any other characters. You know. Right, Pam on, Tommy, yeah. Tommy Jarvis, Tom, Tom, like, Tommy Jarvis, yeah. But again, but these are people that got like multiple movies. Everyone else, yeah. I'm like, I, I, you know, the only reason I know the final girl's name from Friday the Thirteenth Part One because the uh, part of the soundtrack, one of the tracks that I put yeah. on my Halloween playlist, is called yeah. Alice Goes to the Lake. It's the okay. climactic yeah. moment, and oh, so therefore, cool. yeah. I know her name is Alice. But I had to dive pretty fucking deep before I even learned her name. Like, exactly. You know? And I and I do think that's what one of the focuses of this movie does well is that it gives everybody not only does it subvert a lot of expectations of the characters mm-hmm. they're, you know, gonna play, but everybody just gets a little bit more character development. And I I think everybody excels from it. If I mean, I think maybe the boyfriend character is a, a little dopey, but you know, I sure. even, you know, again, so often <clears throat> in these movies you know the jock guy is just going to be there to you know fist fight you know and like cause a ruckus but he's actually you know one of the more emotional characters so him being tame is almost all right and i so this is all roundabout way of saying that i think that you know again uh, four dudes don't really need to talk about femininity and horror but i do (laughs) think that this is geared towards i think then you said like a a little self-apology but it's it's meant to you know, showcase female characters in a better way than they have been in these types of movies. In a complete way, too. I will say the most compelling part of this movie um, is 
I it pulled up her name on purpose, and I've uh, a Th- uh, Thaisa Farmiga, the main the the yeah. character. I think she does a fantastic performance of someone yeah. that does the perfect. Like I think something that I always find very funny, and it's very clear in the uh, Camp Bloodbath uh, cast where they're clearly older people playing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. would say that like looks like looks like a teenager. Um, or looks close enough, looks enough like a child, but like also has, uh, I mean, I definitely teared up in a lot of her scenes and I think she does a great job just like, yeah, if you have been grieving your, your pat, your, your, your deceased mother and then see her again, I thought she properly reflected that. I thought that was a, a nice, uh, it was a nice paperweight on what's otherwise a pretty light movie. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. I, it was a really I mean, this and you know, again, as the guy who picked this as his favorite movie, this movie is not interesting if you don't have actors that can sell the emotional storyline. Yeah. That's the thing. This movie, like, it. I hope you understand what I mean when I say this. It takes itself seriously, but it doesn't at the same yeah. time. Right? Oh, and, like that is. I think that's fundamental to like why I enjoyed this movie is that. The problem where satire goes wrong in a lot of movies is that it's like there's the intent doesn't match up with the content, right? I guess mm-hmm. like weird rhyme I just did, but um, we'll get to death. Sm- we'll get to death to smoochie in a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly, hundred uh, percent. But yeah, the, it, it's just like it's such a romp. It's so fun. It's so self aware, and I think like my only biggest criticism of that movie is that like the, the idea of like runs out of steam fast. Like, and that's like literally. Otherwise, I I loved it, right? But um, I think when you have this kind of idea, you have to be silly with it. You have to have fun with it and take it seriously. It's a yeah. careful balance. And I, well, I commend these filmmakers for like executing it. But and yeah, I, I, think, I, I, I think the story lends itself to that because you essentially have two casts. You yeah. have the, you yeah. have the, you know, the parodied version of, you know, 80s slasher characters. And then you have modern kids who, again, still fit within those archetypes, but they're allowed to, you know, subvert them a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. you well, know, it, like the bitchy girl had like, she, they kind of like tacked it on at the end, but she was like, dude, I'm going to be honest. Like after your mom died, you shut the fuck down and I didn't yeah. know you anymore. And you shut me out. Yeah. I, yeah. I did a lot of things I'm not proud of. And I just wanted to say it you know, like that's, that's a moment that would never happen in an actual 80s slasher. It, it oh, yeah, acknowledges no. the full human that is contained within the stereotype, right? Like, yeah. exactly. healthy processing in this movie of teens getting murdered. I was pretty surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and again, you know, I think it also, you know, showcases kind of the desensitization that comes from watching these, you know, 80s horror movies. So, like, we can probably assume each of them has seen Camp Bloodbath at least once before. So they have kind sure. of watched these characters die before. So like, it's yeah. almost not that shocking when, you know, they all just get taken out almost in within like a five minute, you know, span there um, in the it's kind a, of like big attack scene. Something I'll give it credit for is that like some, they, they didn't just recreate uh Friday the 13th in, in, in some ways they, I mean like they're clearly paying like just so clear homage yeah. to it but I'm sorry like seeing 
what uh, Billy is the Jason in this in the, the stand-in for Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Him <laughs> jumping out of the window on fire in the rain, holding a machete toward like it, it's a cool image. I was like, that's yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> they, they did it better than Freddy versus Jason. Dude, thank you. The only thing I don't like is the mask. The mask kills it for me. I hate that spooky <laughs> looking like I, it's, I, I, it's it's so silly like they could have gone something a little I, I think actually generic would have been better this one makes it look like almost <laughs> like they repurposed the totem pole and i, I don't know i feel pretty rough. it doesn't look good anyway, i uh, i, I think I, I wrote down here that i'm glad to see that he is also a fan of tiki bars much like myself <laughs> yeah, yeah right like, like an eastern <laughs> island guy yeah, yeah exactly, well, exactly. I, I think, to me the mask served as a reminder Cause like, to me, I was like, cause like the original name, and this is something I cannot explain, right? The original name for Jason Voorhees was Josh Voorhees. And those are both generic names, Jason and Josh. And for some reason, Jason works and Josh doesn't. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's more consonants or whatever, you know, but like, to me, I saw the subversiveness of like, well, his name is Billy. It's a random normal name. Why would... Why would the victim of this horrible crime be named uh, something special? His name is Billy, right? Like, um, to me, the mask. Well, like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't love it. I, I did see it as like some random stupid thing that would be sitting around a camp, and so therefore, well, he would carved hurt. it. Remember? Oh no, that, I, I remember see, that. Kind of, it actually did kind of spoil it for me. <laughs> it kind of spoiled it for me that he carved a tiki mask because the whole time I was like. Dude, camps have like random stupid shit like this just oh, yeah. laying around in closets. That's what summer camps. Well, have, and honestly, right? like, there's probably a little bit of a missed opportunity to you know play with him not having you know the mask in Friday the Thirteenth until the third one. So like yeah, they could have yeah, had yeah. him like wearing kind of oh, different yeah, masks. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that this ultimately isn't really like a parody of Friday the Thirteenth. It's more yeah. just an. A, almost an, an analysis of just the genre in general, because, mm-hmm. you know, the thing that I kept coming back to is like, you know, how big scary movie was in whatever 97 or whatever it came out mm-hmm. and just how many terrible movies that spawned from that. And yeah. like, and so it, to the point where like parody movies are um, fairly unwatchable and, you know, but I think that's what made this so special was that, it didn't feel like it was just trying to plug in jokes yeah. about Friday the Thirteenth. You know, oh, this this is not a this is not a spoof. It's a it's yeah. a critique. It's well, a it's a loving critique of like, hey, we all clearly love this genre, yeah. and because of how much we love it, we're going to talk about some of the problems with it. And part oh, of yeah. but like, I never felt like they were like mocking horror. Or totally, yeah. Totally. As less than they were just like able to be self aware and able to be like, hey, like coming from a guy that like the reason I never look down on anyone's entertainment is I'm like, I love pro wrestling. It's like the dumbest thing ever. Like I, I, I like I, I don't I don't get to be pretentious and holier than thou because. I love this mindless entertainment and it is well, so powerful. And it's so powerful to me. And but you can look at the stuff that you love and be like, okay, it it has flaws. We yeah. we can talk I, about I think, the flaws. Well, right? and I think that's important, you know, 
to, you know, to kind of get real with you, Denny, there's been a couple episodes on the podcast where like, you've kind of like gone, a, you know, you've, you've had a movie that you like enjoyed and then you rewatch it and you're like, Oh no. <laughs> like, yeah, and, yeah. and that, and that sucks, you know, like I, I monster squad in particular comes to mind. Like oh, you're was- like, that was a hard one to admit. For I know. Me, and that so, it's not and the I way I remember. I want, it and, my brand like Monster Squad, whatever oh that is. Like, <laughs> the the and, version of me that is performed loves Monster Squad, and the real me doesn't. It's, yeah, exactly. We're the same thing. <laughs> and and I think that that's kind of what this movie does so well. Is it? It again. It, it's not afraid to point out the issues, but it also is understanding of like why you know we why we do love it you know and uh and i just think that it balances that really well yeah no and I, I, I like denny you totally beat it to me man but like uh, beat me to it but like they th- there's I just totally beat it to you it beat it to me uh they there's not a moment in this movie where i didn't feel like it was just like made with love too right and, and yes. just like the you can tell everyone involved in this like loves horror loves the camp loves all of that stuff and like you guys have mentioned they they acknowledge the problems and that's, yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to like acknowledge it and be like, this is how we can do better. And we can even spoof on it and like make a fun time out of it. And also kind of be a tribute to it. So I, I just think there's, there's room for both, obviously, as, as we can see in this movie. I think that the amount of heart that is in intention that's behind this movie lets me look past the things that, that are its limitations like totally yeah absolutely yeah. totally yeah also some like things that annoy the hell out of me bad cgi uh, oh, to be honest the presence of cgi always like i i don't like but like that For car sure. was functionally very good like it, it did the thing that it needed to do it, it takes you out a little bit that it looks kind of like a like a macintosh screensaver but like what <laughs> <laughs> Again, it, it delivered the thing that it needed to do. I understand it's a smaller budget movie. Let's 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 go on. You know, like the things that were kind of cheap and crappy about it, effects wise, it's all forgivable because it's not trying to be like uh, this super serious take on this. It's like okay, we know what we do well in this movie. We're gonna focus on that, and where we have lighter stuff like okay uh we're gonna focus more on the silliness of it one of my favorite aspects of it is the characters knowing the horny girl uh tina so well that they put her in a life jacket and mittens so she can't take off her clothes shout out my girl tina man <laughs> I, I think Tina's maybe the best like I mean, she's the best supporting character in my life. I think she's hilarious. So the, the gag reel, which as someone who hates gag reels, I just hate them because I hate <laughs> I hate when I watch your whole movie and then while I'm supposed to be di- digesting it, you're just like, by the way, this is all just a bunch of bullshit. None of it really happened. <laughs> just like, uh-huh. yeah. like, if you cared about this, just know that it was all made up. Like, I'm just like, dude, let me get home from the theater before... <laughs> before I like separate myself from the movie watching experience. Um, if there was ever a movie with an appropriate gag reel, um, this this is a movie to have a gag reel in. Like yeah. just like yeah. oh, sure. a movie that's constantly drawing attention to the fact that they're making a movie. Um, the character Tina's bits uh, with with the cell phone on that gag reel, like, oh 
oh yeah like some phone i could just put in my mouth like, <laughs> like i was like i honestly wish that she just had more screen time to riff you know like she yeah, was oh, so yeah. funny uh-huh. man For she sure. was so funny <laughs> could you imagine the uh there'll be blood gag reel you know like he's just when he's on a movie set he's just always cracking wise yep. doesn't take yep. anything seriously uh, well i have to say too if we're talking side characters um this is a spoiler alert for my gimmick of the week like uh adam divine in this movie like oh, oh, the whole supporting cast is insane praise. but like we were adam divine man like he it's so funny and i feel like characters like him and um it's tina and just that whole crew like i i adore and i think it also brings a little levity to like when we're talking about like um max's relationship with her mom and, and all that stuff like it, it just it really worked for me and that is like what makes it so fun i think in the end this movie is just so fun man it's it's a it's a, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a good time yeah. i think that's that's what we haven't really touched on is that like in an era where like meta is kind of tired to me to me yeah. at least i'm just like okay we get it we live in a culture where we understand we're constantly consuming media and the things that seem effortless actually take a lot of work. We, everyone understands that. Um, I I think they really did meta right. And that's because like, like, I think it's Phil, I think you're the one that led with it. It was like, well, this has heart, you know, like this this to it. And, um, and that's what makes it so wonderful. And that's what, uh, that's what I walked away from it with is like, is this some type of like S tier stop the world and watch it? Cause it challenged the form so much. No, it pretty much told us things that we all already know, you yeah. know, like of like, Hey, women aren't sex objects that get murdered. Um, <laughs> a, a daughter would actually be very sad if her mother died, you know, like that's not some like deep thought, although it is uh, unfortunately and depressingly scarce on film that you show mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a woman grieving a woman. That's that's uh, that's the only reason it's special is because it's rarely done because most men are making most movies are made by men. Right. And that's that's mm-hmm. that's why this movie really stands out is it's about a mother daughter relationship, which is literally one of the most common relationships in the world. Right. Like. 50% or more of the world are women and all of those women have mothers and the vast majority of those women will have daughters, right? Like, and yet there's so few movies about a mother daughter relationship, despite it being like, just like, it's like water or oxygen. It's everywhere. It's part of the world. And it's so rarely explored on film. Um, but that's the thing. It's not like there was something mind blowing about this or incredibly deep about it, but it was a really good time with enough heart to justify its own existence. You know, like that's hundred percent. hundred percent. Leg work. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, hey, just hey, pause. sorry guys. Pause real quick. My headphones died and I don't want to uh, echo on the recording. So just oh, give me. Oh shit. It, that's probably a sign that we've been uh, doing this. I should probably remind myself to edit this out, but uh, just in case I don't, Don, will you tell us a joke? I'm not editing this. Fuck it. Don, tell us a joke until Dylan's headphone port. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, what did the ocean say to the airplane when it flew over? I don't know what happened. It just waved. 
Oh, ah! That's good. That's good. Yeah. Let's uh, see. Uh, how do you know uh, a singer is at your door? I don't know how. They don't know when to come in and they can't find the key. Damn. <laughs> this is a clusterfuck. <laughs> yep, no, it's all real bad. Uh, so I, I'm going to just, uh, since we're not editing things out, uh, I think the legwork of this thing, uh, I really think it is uh, the performance of our lead actress that I have forgotten immediately because I'm awful and I, I am terrible at remembering names. It is, I'm putting it up there. Uh, Tysa Farmiga. Tysa Farmiga, she is fantastic. I was captivated by her entire performance. And I think if you do not have a lead actress that is believable, if you have someone that is just kind of like phoning it in and just be like, whatever, this is kind of a cheesy horror movie and I'm not really bought into this. I'm ready to get my paycheck and leave. Uh, I would have uh, been on my phone the entire time for this movie. And I'm not. Um, I think that this it was captivating. Uh, I knew what it was. It's it felt like I was hanging out with a. Okay, let's put it this way. It's like when someone tells you a joke you've already heard, but you can still get a laugh out of it because they just execute it so well. Like their timing's yeah. really good. It's like perfect. All right, awesome. We both got, see. I didn't need to tell you I've heard it before because then that cuts the wind out your sails. But also. Like uh, we both got to share a laugh at the end of it. And it's great. Like nothing new came about this, but I, I certainly didn't waste my time. And I will say that that's uh, really hard to kind of thread that needle specifically um, in specifically in this genre. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Dude. Also, by the way, that is not Vera Farmiga's daughter. That is her sister. I don't know if any of you guys saw that. They're 20 what? years apart. Yeah. And that is what? their sister. Yeah. I was like, she looks so familiar. And that last name is very familiar. And I looked it oh up and that God. is her 20 year old uh, difference, uh, age difference sister. Very, very wild. Um, That's insane. That's I know. You just, insane. You just fucked my but, mind. Yeah. But, but Don, I think I'm right there with you, man. Um, there's, this movie's fun. It's campy. It's goofy. Uh, but I think what brings it down, and I mean that in a good way, like what I think brings it down to like ground level is her performance and her execution. Like that emotional, like last few minutes, and also like Betty Davis eyes. Like I've I was listening oh. to it earlier, and it's like on a playlist I just made. Like that song yeah. rocks, and like that yeah. whole sequence rules. Um, I like I also have to say, Malin Ackerman who i'm usually not a fan of i really don't find her to be a great actress i think she killed it in this movie i think she was like actually really good i just she like ruled. for the, ser for the oh, service so of the role right and watchmen i didn't oh dude i yeah that i could do a whole podcast about that movie if you want to do that down the line uh, uh, we'll have you back on for the watchmen episode yeah yeah, yeah there we go <laughs> um no, I think that that just like it, it's so fun and goofy, but like the, the only reason we care about this movie is because of that emotional center to it. And I think the filmmakers knew that going into it. I think it's important that this movie kind of distinct puts a distinction between itself and other horror movies where there really is never that emotional connection. There's never like that's what for me is the biggest thing in movies. Like I will forgive a lot of like blunders in movies, editing, whatever. Like if it like makes me feel something. Like that's a good movie. That's that's yeah. what I'm like where I'm yeah. at, right? Like I will forgive a lot of things in a movie. Like we'll get to the rating here in a little bit, and like I like I, my letterbox review and how I talk about a movie are very different things, right? Like yeah. just because I give something like three stars or whatever, like I, that's a good movie. <laughs> that's a, like that's a fun yes. movie and one I enjoyed yes. watching and one that 
I will recommend to people. Like I recommended it to someone yesterday. Like, yeah, it, it was just a lot of fun. And and the emotional center of it is what makes it work. Is kind of what I was getting at. Wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Um, my my runner up for the legwork, kind of on some notes y'all have already touched on, was the score. I just thought the score was really good for the movie. Yeah, and just really captured the spirit well, but. There was a there was a very specific moment of legwork that I really liked that really made sense for the for the finale, and it was simply that uh, in this in this like crazy bonkers made up last action hero style world right um, that they establish the rules of the flashbacks and that they they establish that they have consequences when uh, the first flashback they do blood gets splattered on Aaliyah Shawcat's face which I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe I made friends with Phil because both of us were quoting Arrested Development. That is right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) 100% right. That's the origins of this podcast happening. Arrested Development, baby. (laughs) Our dear friend, Maybe Bluth, played a big role in this episode of Movies for When Happening. But just I will never remember her name. It's always Maybe. Yeah. yeah, I I, like her name came up and I was like, you're Maybe. Shut up. Like, (laughs) I I only remember her name because Aaliyah Shawcat is so memorable. If she were named. Like, uh, I don't know if she were named like uh, uh, Stephanie Jones, there's no way I'd know her name, you know. Like, sorry, <laughs> sorry to all the Stephanie Joneses listening to this podcast, but Aaliyah Shawcat stands out. But she's maybe every time I see her, I don't go, It's Definitely. Aaliyah Shawcat. I go, Oh my god, maybe's in this. Um, but um, she's also pretty typecasted and, and does her role very well, but she's, yeah, she's, she's, she's playing maybe in this role, which is ultimately just. You know, slightly more sexually aware, uh, maybe blues. Oh, dude! As as we were watching it, I literally leaned over to Vanessa and I was like, "Imagine being so iconic for your performance as a teenager that you just have to be a teenager even though you're 30." And everyone was <laughs> like, "Yeah, she's permanently a teenager. Like, she doesn't look like a fucking teenager at all in this movie. Like, no. you know, like um, uh, uh." But anyways, I I would go with uh. I just really appreciated the legwork of of establishing through the blood splatter on her face coming coming back out of the flashback with her and everybody reacting to it. That's mm. that's how we knew that if they flash back in the finale that they could essentially change the story. Um, that that, that 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 has consequences. I don't know. I like the uh, I like the effort put forth and things like that. Um, well. Damn, we just lost Dylan's whole fucking screen. Um, I don't know if he's coming back, guys. It might be the end for him. <laughs> we said it was going to be a clusterfuck. <laughs> it's a clusterfuck. It's time for death to Smoochie. God, how about this? How about we just keep going, and when Dylan comes back, we let him say his gimmick of the week and his favorite line. You guys good with that? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know if I actually like said my gimmick of the week, or, or have we not all said it? I don't know. Say, I, your, I, say your gimmick of the week. Say your no, gimmick. I was just gonna say. Uh, I just going back to Adam Divine, man. Like I, I just like every minute he's on screen, I'm dying laughing. I and he is also gonna be mentioned here in a little bit of my favorite quote. But um, yeah, I just like, dude. I, I'm a workaholics fan. Love him. He's yeah. hilarious. Like I, I need to watch Righteous Gemstones. Apparently, uh, oh, he's good in it. Yeah, yeah, dude. You know what? I, I mentioned to Vanessa when when we were watching this. I knew him from Workaholics first, but he's just forever bumper from Pitch Perfect for me. Oh, like, yeah, another good one. Yeah, yeah. Just, he's been bumper ever since he made that movie. Just what a perfect match between actor and role. 
Um, <laughs> gosh, and Adam Devine, how is that an acting name and not a pro wrestling name? Dude, like, right? I, just, I just feel like Adam Devine is a wrestler. Um, I feel like that's more appropriate than the gemstones, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Adam Devine sounds like a like a swindler preacher. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a youth group guy. Yeah. yeah. Or, or possibly the patriarch of, of the divinities cookies. Did the Girl Scouts sell those? I don't know. Um, what's uh, Don, what's your favorite line from this movie? Easily. The hell kind of summer camp has waterbeds. Yes, I laughed so hard at that. I laughed so hard at that. Just one of those things you don't even question at all. Like, it's like... It's in the 70s. It's a summer camp. They fucked on waterbeds. And it's like, there would never be a goddamn waterbed in a summer camp. And I didn't even question it. They got me. They're also, wooden log cabins. That would be the worst place to put, like, man, so much mold and, like, just, like, God, that would just be an absolute nightmare. Oh, my God. Absolutely irrigating. Kind of like licorice pizza and their use of waterbeds. Yeah, <laughs> very similar. Very similar. Such a big uh, PTA guy that I'm trying to bring up licorice pizza as a bit as many times as I can. I, I love that movie. I'm sorry. Pizza. You're good. You're good. I I wanted to love it more. I really. I know. Did. I know. We had that. We, we had that talk. Yeah. yeah. Talk. <laughs> um, Phil, what's your favorite line? Man, again, spoiler alert, it's Adam Devine. Uh, it's when they run over Duncan and he goes, oh, God, you killed Duncan. You smell great, by the way. <laughs> I think that's what that is. I, I admittedly had to pull the quotes up, but like him just still trying to like have sex with Paula, even though they murdered someone. It's just like, oh, so that was actually my favorite of the 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 bloopers at the end yeah. is him like riffing on lines to like take her to a hotel after like murdering someone. He just kills it. I, I, I that was the biggest laugh for me. He, he's so good at being a tool. Dylan is back with us. Jeez, hey. I apologize, everyone. Uh, I blame Apple uh, for not having uh, normal headphone jacks in their computers and in their uh, phones. Uh, so I, I don't have any wired headphones that will work with my computer. So I'm just trying to charge my uh, headphones, and uh, we'll. If we can get to a break, we'll let it charge a little bit more. So I apologize, okay. everyone. No. You're good, uh, the, cl the, cl the clusterfuck is real. Yeah. I heard a couple. I heard a couple gimmicks. It sounds like Adam Devine is the true star here. Yeah. Um, and then are we on lines? Although no, we, we uh, want you to do your gimmick of the week and your favorite line. Okay, uh, the gimmick of the week is the uh, leg work um, of. <clears throat> I just love that bit where they're they're stuck in the running loop. Um, the, <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought that was so funny and, uh, legs are used for running. So I'm trying to keep these as weird and literal as possible. Hell yeah. Hell um, yeah. but, uh, my, uh, my favorite quote is, I believe what, uh, Don said, the waterbed line was so fucking funny. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll get, what was that? Good movie pick. I, I, I guess. You know, it, it was that's kind of why I like just shout it from the rafters so much. It's just a fun time. And I think it's that, you know, it, it the fact that it has heart is just really what helps it stand out for me yeah. in a feel like because I do. Again, we were in the middle of the Monster Squad debate, but I love all those movies, warts and all for, you know, the time. I don't think you can make slashers like that anymore. Um but that's what I love about this is it's uh, heartfelt criticism and 
I just think it, you know, yeah. and you know, I'm not sure anybody who hasn't seen a bunch of other horror movies can totally like it as much, but I guess Phil, you know, you kind of didn't come in with like a ton of Friday the 13th knowledge or anything and seem to yeah. enjoy it. Oh dude. No, again, I've already been recommending this movie to people. It was so fun. It was, good, it was, good. Like I, I'm all for it. Yeah. It, it's smart. It's a smart movie. Mm-hmm. Um, let me drop my favorite line. Then we'll get into ratings. Um, I got aside with Phil. I also have an Adam Devine line as my favorite, which is uh, gay guys can't have kids. They're too busy going to discos and having sex with each other. It's actually a pretty cool lifestyle. It's like went, went, from like went from homophobic to wait. Now that I think about it, that sounds awesome. And once Dude, that, uh, like, going to discos also- and getting laid all the time, what am I being homophobic for? That rules, right? Yeah, his his, his like train of thought, like realizing that's cool, and his line delivery. That's my number two quote. So like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a way to live, man! What a way yeah. to live. <laughs> Just go to discos and have lots of sex. What are you judging? them for <laughs> yeah and you know his character has never had sex before so no he's just way. like yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic <fuck> boy. <laughs> um, uh, so a little bit of a fun fact i don't think you guys have talked about this but uh i think your name's paula the supposed final girl yeah. um that's actually his wife in real life no oh, way uh-huh Hell they yeah. met on the set of this okay. movie yeah oh no way uh-huh yeah they got so. married Exactly. So, enough of those. you know, the final girls brought him some happiness. Love that. that. Rules. Love that. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, guys. Well, what, what are your ratings for the final girls? Start with a spill. Sure. Are we doing that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, for those of you, all the droves of people who will follow my letterbox after this, uh, no, I gave this a three out of five. Um, that is yeah. a good review in my mind. I am not, I, I'm being nitpicky. There are like things we've touched on that like I'm critical of, but like, it was a good movie. I had a lot of fun with it. So um, even my friend Nathan, who the guy I told you is introducing me to horror, I recommended it to him. He hadn't seen it. So that was a moment of like, yes, dude. Like yeah, yeah. movie, yeah. like movies like this, I will spread the gospel of. Like if the, it's the amount of love and, and craft and care that went into it, even gripes aside, go watch this. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, Phil, what's what's your letterbox handle? Uh, <laughs> it's Philip J. Fry, F I L L U P J A Y F R Y. And I will put it in, I'll send it to you, and you can put it in the show notes or whatever. Cool. Uh, please do. <laughs> Everyone should follow Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan, what's your rating and your, and your letterbox handle? Yeah, my letterbox handle is D Dairyberry 60. Uh, that is D is in dog, E, well, two D's, D D E R R Y B E R R Y. Uh, 60. That's my name. Um, but I, I give it a four. Um, again, I really like the movie. There are definitely, there's a version of it. That's probably a little bit better. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I would have loved to see an R version, but you know, also I could see them, you know, trying to force in, you know, some female nudity or something, if that was the case. So yeah, exactly. Just happy. We got this version of it. So, yeah. Uh, my rating for it is T for teens. Because <laughs> <laughs> the teens need more 80s slasher movies. I've been saying it for years. Absolutely. And I would recommend. Highly recommend. Beautiful. There you go. Um, I gave it a 38 out of 50. Um, those points are for smartness and ingenuity. Yeah. Um, I really feel like, you know, it, it could have broken my, my tier of 40 with uh, – a little bit better cinematography. We didn't really talk about any of the problems with it, but man, 
there were so many times when we weren't in the movie world yet that I was like, oh, they're on a set. They're on a set. <laughs> totally. Yeah, a yeah, set. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a movie set. This looks painfully obviously like a movie set. I do not believe the <laughs> environment is real. So I think with a little more stylization, that, that's yeah. the thing that was really missing is I'm like, this was shot like and presented like Fear Street 1994. Mm-hmm. And really, I think you should have gone full like granular VHS shitty footage, like yeah, realist yeah. aesthetic, you know? And so yeah. I think if they got the aesthetic down a little more, the, the strength of the script and the strength of the performances would have really taken totally it to like that, that truly special place. But for now, this is like, a very niche thing that's like right on the cusp of greatness, but is still very, very good is where yeah. is where I'd put it. Yep. Totally, totally agree with that. Um, I think it also suffers a little bit. Let me just say, I love Betty Davis eyes, the song oh. in this movie. I think it's used Praise. expertly. Um, I started hearing it be- as soon as we started talking about it. <laughs> exactly. But, but that being said, some of the soundtrack um, is just like popular teen indie song from 2015 or whatever this yeah. came out so yeah. you know that that's that always seems like the stuff that like maybe just a little bit better of like i don't know somebody director you know could have been like okay why don't we make this a little more timeless than you know sticking mm-hmm. ourselves with that yeah. um but yeah no i really enjoy it and i honestly just think anybody should go out to movie trading company and buy it without having seen it before hell yeah <laughs> and that's capitalism yeah. baby Oh, yeah. yeah, we missed the point of there will be blood. Let's all go pee and get more drinks. What is the opposite of Seymour? I don't know what. Seamless. Hey. Nobody seamless butts than you, Uncle Tony. <laughs> well said. All right. Well, so we're talking. We're talking my movie. Let's let's go through this. Uh, so we've we've got some uh, uh some top tier acting we've got some uh horror movie with some real heart now let's go into just the absolute absurd premise with absurd acting that i for some reason absolutely adore death to smoochie it does take place in the gritty dark cutthroat world of children's television where robin williams uh who is playing uh, rainbow randolph a uh, mr peppermint knockoff so to speak uh, he's a children's entertainer, does dances, uh, sings, all the kind of stuff, and sells a whole bunch of merchandise. Um, he is uh, brought upon fraud charges, uh, and it is very public. It is a big PR snafu for Kidnet, the uh, the production company, and they are desperately trying to find a replacement for children's television that is that has uh, any sense of morals, and they find... Uh, his name is Brendan Motes, uh, or Sheldon Motes, uh, Sheldon Motes, uh, who is, uh, who has his own, uh, character named Smoochie the Rhino. He is, uh, played off as a, uh, a pitiful sap that just wants to do good. And he is absolutely that person and is actually a genuine caring human being. Um, and sure enough, uh, the, the rest of the movie is, uh, Rainbow Randolph, trying his best to thwart the success of Smoochie in various uh, convoluted ways uh, and eventually uh, becomes friends with him. And uh, that's uh, the wackiness ensues. Uh, gentlemen, what are, I, I will, I'll start with my uh, relationship to this movie and why I picked it. Um, 
this is definitely something I got at like the $2 bin at Blockbuster. They couldn't get rid of this movie quick enough. And I don't know why I gravitated towards it. I, I feel like this is something where we got it. It was just a whole bunch. Of, I'm like, okay, well, I like Edward Norton. I like Robin Williams. I watched it probably about the, I was like, I, I had heard of it, but nothing really came of it. And I watched the whole thing and I do not, it must have hit me right time, right place. This is a movie that for the first time in, I remember in my like developmental years, seeing a compassionate understanding and uh, really uh, well-adjusted mental uh, uh, positive masculine figure uh, in Edward Norton's performance. And it's always stuck with me. Um, I will be getting a tattoo somewhere of saying you can't change the world, but you can make a dent. I think that Fuck is just yeah. yep, yep. somewhere. It is something like that is something that I have. That's been a life ethos of mine that I, I did not realize how much of that had an impact on me. Uh, but this is a movie that I think has some very, very clear flaws. And there's a reason it was critically panned, but I don't think it gets the credit that's due because I think there's some really interesting directorial choices. Uh, I think it's subversive. I th don't think it's a spoof of anything, but I think it's a fun, silly premise that doesn't really takes itself more seriously than it than the premise uh, presents itself. Mm. Uh, and uh, that is my relationship with this movie. Uh, Phil, when was the first time you watched this? Man, so I was so glad you picked this movie. Um, this was such a staple in my childhood of like the Comedy Central like rewatch. Like it's just like always on, <laughs> yeah. right or whatever. Yeah. And I, like, because I, I know I messaged you guys, like, watching it as a kid is just so weird because you just don't understand it. Like, that the, if you want to say the politics of it, right, or just, like, kind of the the bigger themes of it. Like, as an adult watching this, it's just, like, whoa. Like, there, there's this whole thing about, like, capitalism, as we've said a lot. And there's a whole thing about, like, corporatism and just, like, products and just commodifying things. Um, that is just so interesting. But, yeah, just one of these that, like, I would stay up too late watching cable and it would be on. And I, I just have such like the, the last scene of him on the ice skating thing. is just so seared into my memory. That scene itself. <laughs> I don't know why, um, but yeah, crazy to revisit. Uh, just a weird movie. Like the Danny DeVito, what were you doing? Uh, at that time? Uh, but yeah, just like, again, just fun to revisit. That's where I'm at. Oh, you're muted. <laughs> Speak, yes, Dylan. Speak. Sorry. That gives I, me so much anxiety. Right. <laughs> uh, so my relationship to the movie, um, saw it when it came out. And I honestly think that was my first haste of adult Robin Williams. Like, I really just knew him as, like, genie and, like, the kid roles. And I loved Jumanji and everything. So I went in kind of expecting kid Robin Williams and uh, – was a little shocked <laughs> at the time um i think i enjoyed it um uh, but didn't didn't make the lasting impact that um you know don had but i will say to this day every time i see anything penis shaped i think it's a rocket ship like <laughs> like bachelorette party gag gifts like i always like i just immediately think of that so uh <laughs> long impact um my my relationship with it is that uh when i was in middle school 
pretty much every weekend, I would either go to Blockbuster with $6 and come out with nine blue gumballs and nine free movie rentals. Like, they did not think that through. Our, our <laughs> Blockbuster had a thing of, like, if you if you if you got a blue gumball from the gumball machine, they would give you a movie a free movie up to uh, up to nine. And I would like I would roll up with six bucks and quarters and come out with nine blue gumballs. Like it really wasn't that hard. <laughs> six bucks was the cost of like two movies, and I would have like a week of nine movies to watch. Uh, I would either do that, or I would be hanging out with a friend and ask to go to the like two fifty matinee at the McKinney Movies fourteen, like real yeah. easy sell for your parents. I didn't realize what a parent's paradise that was. Of like, hey, oh, I, for the I price of two dollars and fifty yeah. cents, I'll disappear for two hours. Like that's a <laughs> dollar an hour to make your kid go away. <laughs> like what? What a dream. Um, so I, I would see everything. I, I saw like basically like everything in the early two thousands. I saw it like just because by virtue of. What if I, I I saw the day after tomorrow? You guys remember that fucking oh uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Movie? <laughs> I just rewatched it. Yeah, I'll bet money I saw it like four or five times in theaters just because like oh my god, you're bored, you're in the suburbs, and you can't drive. What are you gonna do? Right? I just like I would I just kept going to the movies. Um, so I, I saw Pluto Nash around the time I saw Hell Death, yeah, I saw Death to Smoochie <laughs> and. Um, I had the same reaction to Death to Smoochie that I did when I got Office Space for free from Blockbuster. Rest in peace. <laughs> I'm wearing a yep. nostalgic hat for this place that I think I had a hand in putting out of business because they were so <laughs> fucking bad at business, apparently. Um, <laughs> but watch watch the last Blockbuster on Netflix. It's uh, yep. It's really not streaming services that killed Blockbuster. It's like... Their own, their like, own, like, yeah, their yeah, own yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> determination to shoot themselves in the foot is essentially <laughs> what it was. But well, and we all have nostalgic memories of Blockbuster. They were a bad corporate system themselves, anyways. Yes. That killed local video stores. Absolutely, they were. <laughs> like, and by the way, whatever weird, random, I think Hollywood video was attached to the Kroger uh -huh. in McKinney. <laughs> better, better wrestling tape selection than Blockbuster. That's Ooh, right. I remember. Yeah, okay. yeah. The North remembers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so like, I, I love that the, the wrestling videos were always in the special interests and i never understood what special interests meant I i'll tell like, you what it, i'll tell you what it meant don as someone who had to fucking take that walk of shame so many times it meant professional wrestling workout videos and pornography that's what special interests mean those well, three things heavy metal was always in that section yeah too. yeah i, I mean, bet it was a little bit of ufc <laughs> All, all this goes to say i reacted the same when i saw office space in middle school and i was like I'm pretty sure that's funny, but I don't get it. Like I was like, I was like smart enough to know that like this speaks to a reality I have yet to experience as a seventh grader. So I'm not gonna like shit on it, but I was bored, you know, like is how I felt in both of those movies. And I, I never watched it since. And uh, I, I talked, uh, I talked Willis. Do you guys know Andrew Willis? Not Phil, but uh, Dylan and Dawn. Yes. He yep. called me on Friday night and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to report, record a podcast tomorrow at 11 a.m. We've moved it since, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> uh, he wanted to hang out. And I was like, dude, I've been so stressed this like month. Like I've just, I haven't done anything socially. 
I'd love to see you, but I got to watch one of these movies, probably two of them tonight. I don't see myself getting up at 5 a.m. for fucking There Will Be Blood and The Final Girls. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I record at 11. (laughs) One of those is three hours long. Um, So um, I was shocked when he was like, okay, cool. Come over to my place. We'll watch one of them. I was like, fucking what? So I made Willis watch watch Death to Smoochie and... uh, I certainly appreciated it more than I did in seventh grade. Uh, I, I, I don't, it, it, it didn't hit home with me quite like it did you. And I, I never want to, uh, I never want to shit on that for anyone, but it, I, I oh, thought it was I, fun. I thought it was neat. I greatly appreciate that. But also I, I am well aware of its weaknesses. I think that there are some, yeah. some dealings with certain things that I feel are, uh, I think Spinner Dunn is a very problematic character. Um, but I think also like, <laughs> Uh, what he's just playing sylvester stallone what are you talking about sure sure. yeah he's got brain damage yes all brain damage people uh hey uh, that's gotta be an earlier like example of cte right right check out when you missed out on a classic for a further exploration of sylvester stallone's rocky (laughs) character and how it influenced the character's spinner jesus christ I think they actually just need to watch death the smoochie for a (laughs) further I, so I think uh, I I guess the main thing that I love about this movie and why I even brought in, brought it as a submission and I am the one person that keeps submitting it to <laughs> to all the polls uh, in movies for when um, I, I the plot is not very consequential. Um, I think it is just a place for people to play around in. Um, it is a hey, let's have uh, two rival children's television entertainers duke it out that's not interesting that's not funny but what if we have this absolutely off the hinge performance of robin williams who does that better than anybody like he does it in the Mm. best looney tunes comes to life way and in, in a way that's just crass enough to feel oddly real like i don't know it's like it's it's both grounded and off the rails at the same time it's uh slapstick in a way that i haven't seen in a lot of just film like i I know it's he's almost playing like a three stooges character but i still care about it and like he 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 balances that out with like the moments where he just breaks down and he's really not he's he's suffering and i think like the thing that i loved about it was so you have this guy that wants to kill someone that he's holding responsible for all of his 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 own undoings and he has a moment of like of reflection and realizes that no i've been acting poorly these have been my choices and these people are showing me some compassion i'm going to re- reward them with some growth i guess in one way or another and i also think edward norton character is some i don't know why it was just like you know he's kind of played for laughs like oh here's this like guy playing uh acoustic i think maybe what it is is that i'm i've played many a gigs where i my art has not been valued in any form or fashion so i'm playing any venue that will take me (laughs) and so him playing a methadone clinic to people that just are not are they're not even like remotely present at all but he's just he's doing it for the he's doing it for the gumption he's doing it for you know to to make a dent you know um and then he kind of gets his big break and when he when he gets that power he doesn't get corrupted by money he wants he wants to the reason he wants to be on those platforms is to be a positive influence and i found that just so uh 
admirable. I, I I don't know of another instance of a character like going from rags to riches and 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 still caring about their actual virtues rather than like a manipulation or a uh or just finding a way of where it just benefits themselves. Uh, weirdly, like uh, play, like he like Sheldon Motes is the opposite of Daniel Plainview, uh, in in the best <laughs> way. I'm um, yeah. and, and I think it's just like why that. I think I really love these three movies together because uh, both of them have to deal with uh, grieving a loved one. Um, both of them have to do with uh, some personal growth um, uh, and going and going over a, sp a, a personal hurdle in order to really, you know, achieve a fuller you. I don't know. There's just something about uh, Sheldon Moat's character that has always been so resonant with me. And I and I, I I really can't explain it. I think part of it's also just the fun subversiveness of saying like, "What's one of your top five favorite movies?" And I it I will say Death of Smoochie with no sense yeah. of irony or like I'm trying to do this to be funny. It's like no, I I it's for some reason really stuck with Don oh. Don. You uh, dude's rock, by the way. Yeah, yeah, dude's rock. <laughs> Don, you realize he's Sheldon Motes. He he's you. Like that's yes. that's who he is, man. Uh, like he's you, and I don't mean that you're like some like corny ass kids character peddling like false positivity, but in the sense that like, dude, Don, I've known you since you were a teenager, man, and I remember like clear conversations with you of us being like nineteen, calling each other on the phone and being like, we don't want to betray our principles, but how do we pay our bills you know like <laughs> like i i like just have like very vivid memories of like where i was when i was having those conversations with you and then looking at you now as like a dude like as someone who's recovered from ptsd and just like <laughs> dude when you learned that about me like you were constantly checking in on me i felt very seen when you would do push-ups for ptsd and like dude here you are a man who never compromised. Well, not in massive ways. I mean, shit, we're not best friends. I, like, oh, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to say there wasn't there wasn't a struggle because I think that discounts how you actually make shit like this happen. You know, like that right. that you're basically trying to do something that the world is not set up for you to do. Um, and dude, here you are being a crazy good dude who, like, as far as I can tell is pretty much the same like bright-eyed kid I knew in high school who was like actualizing the world that he wanted for himself despite that being the path of most resistance. You're fucking smoochy, man. Like, like that's, it's you. It's you. And like there's a, a phrase I love is that power does not corrupt. Power reveals. Power, mm. power reveals mm. what a person really wanted to do all along. And in this movie with Ed Norton, you can see how power changes him. Like, you can right. see how he's like, oh, I've learned I've got to say fuck you. I can't, like, smile and be nice if right. I want, if I want, like, good to win, essentially. I, I've got to fucking fight. I've got to have my shackles up. Or shackles. Hackles? Hackles? That's what happens on a dog's neck? Shackles <laughs> are chains. Hackles are, are mohawks on dogs. Right. Um, but, um... I've got to be, I've got to be a motherfucker for the sake of good. Right. And, um, I don't know, man, I look at you and I'm like, dude, congratulations. You did it. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's awesome, man. It's so cool. That is, that is uh, I, I, I don't want to be the first person that just spontaneously just starts collapsing and crying on the podcast. I'm going to avoid that. Uh <laughs> Thank you. I, I, that, I feel incredibly seen in that, uh, in that respect. Um, and, 
I don't know. There, there's something about uh, someone genuinely trying to do something that seems impossible. And he, I think there's also something that I like about this movie that he doesn't achieve it perfectly. And yeah, in order for him to have any creative say in his show, he has to basically consult with the mob and yep. with with a yep. uh, an agent yep. that ultimately turns on him and he even has a breaking point of where he has a gun pointed at the person that does him wrong and just like i'm not feeling very smoochy like right now and is about to kill someone and has a moment where he is that i, I get for someone that's struggled with anger issues before seeing someone that is like again seeing this is 2002 i mean like this is like the triple x in fast and furious era of like just yeah. ultra machismo like there's no yeah. like reflective men in popular media like there is you know guys that like they're you, you're either looking at like kind of clint eastwood types or um or or they're just nerds or uh at best you have like your kind of indie like passive uh hipster dudes whatever instead you have like this guy that's like uh i don't know he's he, he's navigating through the waters of like all right this is a cutthroat world but what how can i still wield my power for the betterment of more than just myself and i, I don't know there's just there's a selfless empathetic nature to it a humanitarian element of it that i just find so endearing and while always re recommend someone watching it just because you know there's just not enough of that that's in any in a lot of characters in my opinion that doesn't feel like i don't know i i, I i'm really trying to uh, put my my finger on it but uh no, no dude i was gonna say i think what what this movie nails and like i think as me revisiting it older like this guy sheldon right edward norton's character which like weird edward norton performance by the way in the pantheon of his like career right like he nails it though uh, in general it's too. yeah it's like a year before this or something like that like it's oh not nuts, sure, yeah. absolutely nuts um I, I just i think what the movie nailed in that sense uh, is that he is such an outlier in that industry like when you climb that corporate ladder or when you're when you're part of the, just the corporate world right like he being a nice guy who like actually wants to do something good is the outlier he's the one that's like in the minority everyone around him is just like what's the bottom line for me like what's where's the the profit margin for us like i think that has aged incredibly well in this movie uh and it's just like I mean, a sad realization yeah well and <laughs> like, you know i mentioned earlier about you know how like i you know kind of lost a love of writing when it became a profession and i think that can be said of a lot of our you know hobbies that then we try and turn into careers you know uh, again don to follow up on what denny said and i can confirm that you eat spirulina and almond butter soy dogs um you're <laughs> you're you're turning you know a passion into a profession and you've maintained the ability to like do well with it and you know you're you're working with kids you know like you're you're using your powers for good as you said and it's you know i you know there are working environments where like there's other routes you could have gone with that and i love i just think it it there is a lot of heart to this and i think that that's you know uh as they said a good um indictment of you as well just that you uh <laughs> it makes sense that this is one of your favorite movies Thanks. Well, and I, I, you know, but I also think that the, um, again, pseudo corruption or whatever of not corruption, but, you know, 
the turning of Sheldon's character, there's a really quiet moment when he's kind of at his lowest and it's not stated, but he's drinking a Pepsi and eating a hamburger. <laughs> and it's should have even noticed. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was su- it was super understated for a movie where Robin Williams literally like runs into walls and is thrown down staircases. It's a very <laughs> quiet moment, and that's not yeah. in your face. But again, it's where he betrays a core belief of his, and he's just at his absolute lowest. Um, so they really do put that character through the ringer and he still comes out on top. Hey guys, oh sorry, uh, sorry, my dog is like being weird. Um, I'm going to step away for a bit. Sorry to it, keep please, it please, not, but I'll please step away. Me. I'm not going to edit it. I don't care that much. Um, but, um, no, but like some, uh, an area that I really think movies fail us that I, I really think they, there's like, as much as I love narrativization and like how something like the hero's journey, uh, Excuse me. I don't have COVID. I just have a Pringle stuck in my throat. <laughs> something that I think uh, something I think that like um, our human tendency to narrativize, which is absolutely like just like intensified by the media we consume, right? I think a way that they fail us is this reality. The good cowboys don't wear white hats and the bad guys don't wear black coats or black cloaks. You know, like that's it's just simply it's much harder to tell good and evil and there's just reality is so many more shades of gray. It's like I was saying about like uh, the character Daniel from there will be blood, which is um, I do believe people like him exist. I've encountered people like him. I find them to be exceedingly rare, you know, like it's really not common that someone is just like, fucking darth vader or voldemort you know like it's just it's just not normal most of the time it's it's something somewhere in between and everyone has their own motivations and from their perspective what they're doing makes a lot of sense but you think they're the bad guy because what they're doing harms you um and but people find a way to justify what they're doing and i think i i keep coming back to pirates of the caribbean and why i love it so much which is its case for moral relativism right like that's what that movie is all about to me is like hey you know rigid thinking just straight up doesn't work like it just doesn't like thinking about things with like really clear ideas of good and evil it just it just doesn't work when you when you frequently rely on terms like always and never um it will fail you it has failed me as someone who desperately wanted the world to make more sense than it does um and be more black and white than it is it's bad for you and something that always that always shocks me is that um i certainly don't know her but every every account i have heard of tina fey is that she is she just has this intense and intimidating energy and she is not liz lemon from 30 rock that's just that's just not who she is that she is like very focused kind of a scary person um and i look at that and i'm like dude do you think a meta self-aware comedy got made in 2005 for network tv because of how nice the executive producer was no absolutely like you know like that's not how it gets done like well and i think that's a good evil to do that but you do have to be aggressive right yeah well i think that's even you know the opposite side of that is Catherine Keener's character in this, in that she did start with noble intentions and mm-hmm. had to become 
just, you know, had to work within the system. And, you know, uh, again, any woman working in any sort of, you know, corporate environment is going to have to do that. And, you know, again, they kind of like get shit on a little bit because they did bend. But like, you know, I think she works as a good um, image of what could have happened to Edward Norton's character and that she had these, you know, interest she wanted to do good and she wanted to you know change children's lives and then she ends up selling shampoo and shit you know like that's where her character you know had to go so um yeah i i I think that there's a lot of uh i think that the there's a lot of good comparisons to be had with modern entertainment and again you know that's what we kind of get a little bit in 30 rock you know we get to you know, it's obviously a highly fictionalized version, but that is Tina Fey kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit and just saying, yeah, we're here because GE wants to sell more of it, you know? <laughs> do, you, do you know who Tina Fey made 30 Rock for? This is not her comment. This is my inference. It's for two people. It's for Tina Fey and Lorne Michaels. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's who the yeah. intended audience of 30 Rock is. And you know what? Mitch Hurwitz has said forever, like his his why he wrote Arrested Development is he had this epiphany that if you try to appeal to everyone you will fail like, unless you're yeah. Marvel. Um, yeah. So <laughs> instead, it, it, well, basically, it, it, it's too hard to crack the algorithm of what all of these culturally different people on Earth would like. So instead, mm-hmm. try to make something that you would want to watch and trust that you're not the only one. And that's how you get a 30 rock. That's how you get that's an arrested on. development, right? Like that's, yeah. it's, it's so much smoochie. better, right? And it's it smoochie, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess another guys, part of it is that I, I do like, I've always been a fan of juxtaposition. So I love that a gritty mafia mob, you know, crime syndicate in masters the parade of hope in children's television i find very appealing i don't know why i think that's just super that's i find that funny just as a well it's super it's super real and (laughs) and this is why i think this movie kind of failed right because we all know like susan g komen like the most famous breast cancer charity does absolutely fucking nothing to help people with breast cancer um and we at this point in this like information age we're constantly confronted with the cynicism of the world that mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that philanthropy and appeals to pathos and ethos are like literally just branding like mm-hmm. i promise you guys target sells pride shirts and if they thought it would make them more money they would sell confederate flags i promise like mm-hmm. it's not out mm-hmm. of the goodness of their heart um yeah. and so like all this goes to say like i hate to always bring it back to 911 but <laughs> <laughs> Should be the name of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I do want to clarify. I do want to clarify. I acknowledge and and would never want to be confused. 9-11 is an absolute tragedy and a horrific thing. Um, The reason I feel okay making jokes about 9-11 is because how it was used to justify even more horrific tragedies as a piece of propaganda. And also the reason I talk about it so much isn't even because of like edgelord humor, but because I, I truly am fascinated with, with 9-11's effect on American culture um, in yeah. the sense that um, not only did it make us a lot more cynical, um, 
but like it 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 just popped our party balloon of our like of our the end of the reagan era starry-eyed uh everything's fine the world is fully formed uh everything's good we're all rich and making ska and going to malls like um willis who i watched this movie with will like sometimes put on like a sugar ray video or a sum 41 (laughs) video and he'll just like point at the screen and be like look at all these people who don't know what terrorism is Look at all oh, these yeah. people yeah. who don't know that yeah. terrorist acts are being committed in the world they live in. They don't know. They're ignorant. Like they live in this like safe little American bubble of of prosperity, and they they don't know that genocide is happening on the planet they live on right now. And so, for me, death to Smoochie, and th- this is where it struggles, right? Both as like a text and as like the cultural reception of it. Mm-hmm. Um. It has all of those starry-eyed qualities of a pre-9-11 movie, and it has all of the cynicism of a post-9-11 movie. <laughs> yeah. And it came out in, like, Dude. the five-month window where no one wanted either. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a really astute observation, man. Yeah, that, yeah, 100%. I no, I was, I was, sorry, I was going to keep saying, like, uh, I actually wrote down in my notes, I was like, they had to have filmed this like before 9-11, right? Or, or May, I May guess... 2001, right oh, before oh, okay. 9-11. So... Back in the ancient times when it was still culturally acceptable to publicly have fun. We don't, we don't well, do yeah. that anymore. Well, we don't have fun anymore too. publicly. Private. Here's something, too, here's something that's I found like really hilarious. And, and we're talking just maybe like the, the politics of this movie, right? Is that the, the notion of like, it, this just stood out to me of like, smoochie going to a nazi rally and like them all being arrested like that's not happening now <laughs> it's like, I that's like remember remember when the american public thought you would get arrested for having a nazi rally i i made a i made a i wrote down a note here that says rainbow randolph would be doing alt-right stand-up sets about cancel culture dude yes <laughs> he would have been on a witch hunt he would have been unfairly like targeted. oh yeah yeah he's, like, in his mind, he's doing yeah. tours over worked. in europe with Louis DK. yeah oh for mm-hmm, sure mm-hmm. <laughs> selling Smooch vitamin water with he, alex jones he'd like, be on you oan right it. now like yeah doing he'd be a like fox news hero yeah. like the public well, wouldn't and, hate him there would be a solid percentage of the public that like viewed him as an extension of themselves and wanted to rally around him that's right oh, for yeah. sure yeah. well and i do it's think that's the factor. oh 100 <laughs> percent. well and he, you know he's a pinnacle for like you know a guy who needs you know mental health help you know he's, yeah, yeah, he's a yeah. nut thing, oh, you know? funniest shit ever is when someone's like you're mentally unstable and he goes i'm on the same dosage i've always been on yeah <laughs> <laughs> the do- like, mean, instead of saying like a-, a lesser actor would have said i'm not mentally unstable but he said like he basically acknowledged that he's taking psych oh, meds yeah. but yeah like, i mean, hasn't had any changes in medication and Robin Williams had to have done a lot of improv on this, right? Like oh, everything yeah. he ever does, ever. But yeah, specifically yeah. there's this, there's yes. just so many lines and one-liners that are just completely unhinged. Um, but also, how many, how many you are like synonyms for dick that he have? Oh my god, Dude, he's just riffing fire. in this movie. He is riffing. Like it's a it's a weirdly like almost bad robin williams performance but he makes it work like it, it like fits in the movie so well like i'm not i don't mean bad like he's bad acting it's just like 
what like what movie are you in right now like, there, there were clearly it, yeah. like that's because robin williams mailing it in is still an absolutely memorable performance like that's, that's robin what i was trying to say yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh, dude the dude was first of all definitely mailing it in for most of this movie and i guarantee there were just like any extended scene of him they just basically were like all right we're gonna turn the camera on uh please keep talking like there was even like uh-huh. one of the final <laughs> monologues where i was like He's just begging for someone to call cut, but he's going to keep going until they cut. Yep. Like he's just begging yep. them yep. to call cut, but they're not doing it. <laughs> Thankfully, he's Robin Williams, so this scene can continue. But if he were not, he'd be in a really fucking rough spot right now. <laughs> well, and so, you know, I think that's an interesting co- uh, question of like the balance of this movie, you know, because. obviously he is, you know, the antagonist here, but there's so many other things happening. I wonder if there's a better version of this that doesn't have, you know, the Irish mafia that doesn't have, you know, maybe a little less of the like, you know, Danny DeVito agent, you know, stuff. Like it just seems like there's maybe a more concise story to be told by just having, you know, Rainbow Randolph be the, you know, antithesis of Sabucci. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe a little bit of that just gets lost throughout. I yeah. agree, but I tell you what, the thing that I like, I think one of the appealing parts of this movie is that you have Rainbow Randolph that is just hitting rock bottom in the just worst public way ever. And this this complete detached uh, approach to reality and is just losing his mind. But even he's redeemable when he admits that like hey i i need help like there's a, a mm-hmm. moment of of you know he's not just evil he's not just like he's 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 having problems he's having an episode he's going crazy sure but like even he has an arc like i think that's the 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 only people that don't really seem to have arcs in this are basically john stewart is kind of a whimpering weasel uh and Danny DeVito is just Oh and my God! Worst, <laughs> with bangs. What is up with him and John Oliver having bangs in the early two thousands? Something I, I about guess. comedy neolib news host and their That's bangs in the early two thousands. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so uh, and, and like yeah, the, the Irish mob doesn't seem to really do anything else aside from just kind of move the plot along, uh, which I understand. Uh, but I still think the Irish mob has some pretty good lines in there that I really appreciate. Oh no, the Irish mob uh, is my favorite line. So like it, I'm criticizing it, but they did a very yeah, yeah. funny part. Well, that's yeah. what's so funny is like they mentioned the Irish mob, and I didn't even acknowledge it, and then we see them, and I was like. Wait, is this some sort of Irish mob? There's no such thing as an Irish mob. And then I was like, oh, wait, they told me it was an Irish mob and I didn't get the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What's so funny about an Irish mob, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, sadly, um, to the hosts here and uh, audience, I actually have to leave right now. Um, yeah, I would like to give my parting thoughts. I hate to deflate this conversation right now. I'm so we'll, sorry. We'll keep no, going. Uh, you're gone. Don't worry. Please, please keep riffing. I'm going to listen. Uh, first of all, this has been a blast. Thank you for having me. Um, to give Absolutely. my rating and my quote really quick and legwork, um, I got to say it's Edward Norton. I think he just like nails it in this movie. And obviously Robin Williams is probably like right after him. Um I think, Don, you mentioned the quote earlier. This is my favorite quote. You can't change the world, but you can make a dent. Um, Like, strangely affecting quote from this type of movie and, like, really stuck with me. Um, I give this, like, a literal letterbox review of two and a half out of five stars only because 
it's kind of a mess. I think we've all kind of touched upon it, but we'll get there. I still, we'll get there I still really you. enjoyed you, it. You won't be here for the critiques. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. Um, again, I'm very sad I had to leave. Um, I hope people who are listening had fun with us as much as I have had. Uh, this has been a blast, guys. So yeah. I can't wait to hear the rest of it. Yeah. Phil, and, you'll, uh, you'll be invited back. This. Absolutely yeah. invited back. Next and, time and don't worry, Phil, my headphones will die and I'll, you know, just be Denny and Don talking about this. <laughs> yeah, like my dog was like, I need to go out now and like I'm going to a oh dinner. God. Like the spirit Denny, of a cluster, like, like, right? Yeah. Yeah, Denny, you've got like a six hour podcast you got to do. Yeah, I, 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 told, <laughs> I told Phil if we were still going at 6 30, I would just abruptly call it. It is currently 7 14 p.m. Yeah. We did yeah, great. Yeah. We did. <laughs> My bad, Phil. You have you have more than put in your time today. Thank you no, so much. No, all good. Thank it you is so it much. is so worth it. Well, Dude, you later, one, guys. We'll Talk see you, you again. We'll see you it's again on movies for when <laughs> everyone here will be invited back. Catch y'all later. Peace much Phil. love, everyone. Follow much me on Letterbox. Exits with follow me on Letterbox. I love it. You gotta get the plug in, baby. <laughs> plug it in. Plug it in. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, high boys you know, only. Yeah. Well, you know, and I meant to bring this up with him. You know, we have a little bit of a uh, connection to this movie, and that you know, obviously, Smoochie kind of takes some inspiration from Barney. And you guys know that was filmed in Allen. No really? way. Uh huh. Yeah. Because I so, like just read over from the creators of Barney's original house, and uh, okay. there were rumors that Barney poop was found in the garage after they moved out. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, I think there's all sorts of rumors about, like, why Barney stopped or whatever. But, like, I knew kids growing up who, like, you know, were kids in uh, Barney and stuff like that. Because it was all just local talent agencies and stuff like that. So We got Barney and Benji. McKinney, Texas is the new Hollywood. Exactly. It is. Wasn't there a Walker, Texas Ranger, I think, in Allen as well? Oh, really? I know, like, Chuck Norris used to live like in flower mound like yes, yeah. like he, he's he's local like he's, he's 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 near my friend lived in like the same subdivision as chuck norris before <laughs> it was a meme we were just like huh. before it was cool that show that's on after wwf monday night raw that's cool that the star lives in your neighborhood that's right. let <laughs> me know let me know when you meet d-lo brown <laughs> then i'll really be impressed <laughs> well so you know denny you've kind of mentioned some of the you know criticisms of this movie um you know i know you have a bit a bit more of like a production eye you know in terms of like cinematography and stuff like that you know what were some of your kind of issues with the movie well i i would first of all like to publicly state that visual storytelling is not it's not my strength um, <laughs> okay well sorry. i i, I, I shot a movie two weekends ago it was my it was my first shot at co-directing and uh, my co-director and the director of photography did all the work. Um, like, <laughs> I, I was there to help with some performance, but honestly, our, our actor pretty much had it. Um, I, I, I'm kind of debating if I should be credited as anything other than screenwriter. Because um, <laughs> I was just, I felt like an innocent bystander as far as like the cinematography and the directing aspect went. But um, th this was my thing. I basically don't notice cinematography unless it's really good or really bad. Like yeah. it, it, like it's the kind of like I, I'm like, a, like cinematography and the score should be things you don't really think about unless you're a movie buff. You know, like yeah. they if, if you do it right, it really shouldn't draw a ton of attention to itself. Um, this movie really for me there was a huge tone issue 
um, and a huge we don't know what we want to be issue in the sense that it was way too long. Um, yeah, it, it, it was longer than I remembered. Two and a half fucking hours, man. This is a long fucking movie. Um, it was intense. It, not at all. Um, it had it had a deeper subject matter. Like I, I think the subject matter required more depth than uh, what I would call the Adam Sandler aesthetic. Like aesthetically, <laughs> this movie reminded me very much of like Big Daddy and Mr. Yeah. Deeds, uh, uh, John Stewart and all. Um, but like it, 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 it was very '90s comedy, and I think it was a much smarter, smarter subject and a smarter script than that. Um, I really think they could have cleaned it up a little and really, really leaned into the surrealism. Because to me, like, the best parts of the movie are these really weird extended bits from Smoochie's show, you know, that really oh, belonged yeah. on, like, uh, have you, I think, Dylan, I think you watched it, VHS. Have y'all seen it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. God, I fucking love VHS. I think you recommended it to me, Dylan. Like, it was... Oh, it was maybe. It just, again, that... Uh absurdity of yeah. this era of television but we but we weren't far enough removed from it to really do it you know like and so i guess maybe it's easy for me to say 20 years later they should have been more surreal um but like it, it just it felt very tonally inconsistent um i felt like at a certain point it got redundant um and weirdly enough to, to contradict what phil said now that he's not here to defend himself um i i frankly thought ed norton was very miscast and ultimately it it, it had nothing to do with his performance because i thought his performance was very good but ed norton does not have kind eyes um okay he doesn't have this sympathy in his eyes and there's like it's not even a performance thing there's like literally nothing he as an actor could do about that it's the way his eyes look you know like but he didn't have that uh, that that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, like, I, I just couldn't stop thinking, like, dude, you were in Fight Club, like, the whole movie, <laughs> you know, like, um, I think you needed, like, uh, may maybe an Elijah Wood, or, like, uh, like Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt has kind eyes, despite right. how hot he is, you know, like, there's a certain, a certain uh, approachable nature in his, in his eyes, and Ed Norton, has always looked like a cynical bastard to me in everything I've ever That's seen him. How in. funny. Huh. I don't particularly <laughs> see that from him. But... Okay. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Yeah. Come to the... I, I actually... Go ahead. Thanks, Nick. Uh, so uh, for me, I, I guess this might be one of the first times that I really watched him because I think, like, I think I watched things like Fight Club and American History X and Rounders after this. Like, I. I ah, okay. Like, okay. So, yeah, what about the incredible? What about the Incredible Hulk? <laughs> well, he did not have kind eyes in that. He had very angry green eyes. Boy, um, did he. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Applause for the catchphrase. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. The only accidental catchphrase up. on this very contrived podcast. <laughs> it's just a thing I say all the time. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I've always I've always felt super sympathetic to Evernor. I think mainly just in the contrast of the crass and, and ridiculousness that is Robin Williams. Um, so yeah. that's kind of like 
that's the comparison that I I kind of draw uh, rather than Edward Norton and other roles that he's done. You know, what I'm seeing on screen is like, here's the, you know, uh, money driven, crass, like just just cutthroat character of Rainbow Randolph versus in the contrast to Smoochie and like what he's really wanting to do and like him taking a moment to like tell off a cast or, you know, his director. Hey, those are kids out there. Do you know those are kids? And and like you just see wallets with pigtails. And like there was just a mo- I don't know those those scenes specifically always just like it, it, though he may have been miscast. There's just something about the character alone that I just realized just like man, the dude's fucking. I, I think I know for certain I have more sympathy towards it because I've just been in a creative work that is so often. Uh, uh, just compromised in every way, just so you can survive. So for a guy to put his foot down and actually have some advocacy in 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 his in in some principles is just always something that just I think just just goes directly through my rib cage into my heart. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah it's it's, sure. it's Mr. Rod, it's Mr. Rogers in front of the fucking Supreme Court. You know, yes. like yeah. when, when you hear him like literally appealing to ethos with like conservative judges that are like, we don't see the monetary value in PBS. Um, and he like Fred Rogers, God damn a fucking hero. Um, like a real life baby face. If there ever was one, like, Oh my God. Like just like appealing to them and being like, I've submitted a really like litigious long winded written proposal for the value in this. And I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm just going to trust that all of you have read it, which like, there's no fucking way they read it. You know, like, yeah, no, um, yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to trust that you, that you read this. And then you just hear him like from the bottom of his heart, just advocate like how important it is for children to have a TV show that helps them deal with life challenges that like kind of prepares them for the world. And, and then you look into the guy and there's no scandal. You know, like we're we're all looking for like where's the rub? No one's that good, you know. Like, and I'm sure I'm like I'm sure he was a human. I'm not gonna mythologize the man, you know. But like I'm sure there, like even like there's stories of Fred Rogers telling like a, a gay man on his show, you can't go to gay bars because the scandal that there's gonna be in the news if if there was a yeah. gay guy on the show. And even that guy's like, yeah, I think he was like homophobic at first, but like, I really do believe he like came around to a place of acceptance, you know, like, yeah. which like, <laughs> sure. what, what, well, what more can you ask for? Right. Like that, like someone checked their own shit and like accepted, accepted something they were prejudiced against. Right. Well, like, and I, I think that's so funny of a comparison. It's an accurate comparison, but it's also like, Again, what are the intentions of this movie? You know, not that every movie has to have an intention or anything like that. But, you know, if it's getting this message out that kids need, you know, this kind of, you know, show and that needs to be wholesome, not wholesome, but like just not tainted by corporate greed. But then you've also got literal child actors getting screamed cock by Robin Williams. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're tormenting these kids for the betterment of everybody else. But no, I, I right. think there is such a funny balance um, on all of that. I, the, the show, like, again, I think that there is a tighter version of this because in scenes like Robin Williams, it seems like he's in a totally different movie than everybody else. 
But anything involving <laughs> this the, is being Robin Williams. Oh yeah, but anything involving like, the Smoochie or Rainbow Randolph sets, I think just works so well. Like it all, all the production stuff looks so good. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why they have to have little people um, in all of these shows, but just <laughs> that. Hey, that, weird that dude was was a legendary part of Jingle All the Way. Oh, absolutely! I, I thought, and I thought he did. I don't know this. his name, but I, I know I know the performer. <laughs> that's I'm sure that's what matters, right? right. Um, but no, I just I I think all of the on set stuff again. Uh, the uh, um, the boxer I forget his name uh, coming Spinner. in as Moochie. Right? Yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> that uh, that's uh, certainly a decision. Uh, um, but as well you as know, the godfather-esque like i i do love oh yeah weird like it's something that i find funny because i i get the reference because it's definitely like an homage like the old mafia movies where they're watching an opera that's like vaguely resemblant of what's happening that's like i think that's a godfather reference where it's just like they're watching some sort of player show that's that's reminiscent of what's like the murder that's about to happen or whatever Mm -hmm. and just basically doing a movie recap but on an ice stage that is For kids that involves a body crime like a lot like a child oh, yeah. of a dead body <laughs> and, and a disney on ice uh performance uh and as well as just like i can't imagine taking a kid to an ice show and at one point there's a bunch of little nazis chasing the main character around. i mean and and again that's the movie robin williams is in so right. there there are well, these kind of com- competing uh films going on here that was my biggest note was was and and much like uh the last movie we covered the final girls lean into the stylization more Mm -hmm. i'm like you guys have a noir movie like this is a parody of noir with a social commentary Mm -hmm. um i wish we had the like light coming in through the blinds i wish you shot the whole thing in black and white and that's you know, quite frankly, not something we really started doing till the late 2000s, early 2010s, you know, like, and so I, I, I will say, I think there's a better version of this movie if it were made today. Oh, um, dude, you could take the, the script and the structure and shoot it differently, you know, like shoot it with like a, I was never asking for a performer like Smoochie to walk into my office, but he <laughs> yeah, walked yeah, in yeah. anyways. He wanted to make movies for kids, a show that would inspire them. Huh. I didn't take it seriously one bit. I knew this was a dark, cold world. It, I knew it, there wasn't it, a chance that Dame like Smoochie all. could get over. Like, <laughs> like, you could do that and it could really work, but it doesn't really work in this aggressively early 2000s presentation. Yes. And that's literally just what it was because of when it was made. So I don't even know if it's a note, you know, like, yeah. like how can you even critique that? Right. Well, and also the early 2000s is one of the weirdest parts of culture because it's not quite full Internet culture and it's not quite 90s. It's like the first three years of the early aughts is a very funny time because it's just like, yeah, are we going full space age? Are we still holding on to the 90s? Are we still are we going to buy into the millennium that big of a deal? God dead. We haven't decided yet. <laughs> so what's the time? Are Doras in or out? What about scarves? Yes, yeah. no. Like we, we Blink one eighty two seems to be maturing, but still relevant. I'm, uh-huh. I'm confused about John all of Stewart's this. got bangs. <laughs> the world is 
all over the place. Guys, we've gone so long, and I appreciate y'all indulging me in one of my favorite movies. You're you're not being so, indulged. I'm, so, I'm, I'm having the I'm time so, of my life right now, brother. I'm so thankful to be talking to two of my favorite people that I, I respect oh, other movies, uh, specifically y'all's perspective on movies and uh, discussing pop culture in general. And uh, two two distant friends of mine that I feel I'm very happy I've, I've stayed in touch with. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. To move this along, though, I think uh, legwork. I think we can. I, I'm. I'm not going to speak on y'all's behalf, but I think Robin Williams and Edward Norton do the most with very little in this movie. Yes. And I think the fact that they could make. I think this movie could have easily just been pure trash, and and could have been just another, you know, early 2000s straight to DVD kind of. Okay, who cares? And like honestly, it's kind of a miracle it got made. Like just I mean, yeah, no one was asking for this. No one. Yeah. Was. And like, actually, this is kind of a, a the only way this would be made is because of the DVD market. Like, because of how cheap it was to produce DVDs. Um, like for example, like movies like Rounders and like Unusual Suspects and Donnie Darko and American Psycho and all these like kind of weird niche movies. It's because like even back then it only cost about a dime to produce a DVD. So like yeah. if you made a movie for like, say $10 million or whatever, which is a pretty small budget or, or, or however much you could make that up easily in DVD sales and rentals. And now that that's the market's gone away now, basically all studios have decided, okay, enough with the niche stuff because they have no interest in spending 12 million to make 15. They want to spend a hundred to make 500, 500 million. Right. You know? And yeah. that's, so I, I love that this is part of an era that is very confused and kind of all over the place and, and, and misguided, but well, somehow got out there i'm sure it lost money i have no idea what the box this one was i can't imagine i'll pull it up i'll pull it up keep talking well and i I think that's an interesting concept too that you know you're coming out of the 80s and 90s where cult classics were kind of forming and like you have you know things that bombed at the box office but they end up making a ton of money on the home video market so now you've got studios that were almost looking for those things and the kind of hope not hoping that their movie, you know, would fail or anything, but like, oh god, that, I just look up, bad. keep talking. I'll tell the box office in a minute. Okay. No, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. No. What? What is it? Budget was an estimated fifty million. Oof. Worldwide gross was eight million. There's no oh, way. There's no way that makes fifty million. That is a that is a liberal estimate. I cannot imagine anyone in That's, Korea excited about watching this movie. <laughs> Dude, like it's 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 again. Four million was made opening weekend. Yes. So uh, opening weekend in the United States, they made four million dollars. And then when they like, like literally, when we're accounting for like global release and DVD yeah. sales <laughs> and yeah. network licensing fees, Comedy Central must have got this for like twenty bucks. Because yeah, like yeah. like the whole world, <laughs> this 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 planet that Los Angeles is producing media for um, <laughs> eight, 8 million, 8 million Gosh. out of 50 million invested. Holy fucking I mean, shit. This did really fucking bad. 20. Holy shit. Williams well, well, and it kind of probably, I, you know, again, it I, also says I, this I, was filmed in Ontario. Huh. I, you know, I think there's, um, I'd have to look at his bibli- or his filmography, but I think this also kind of kickstarts a Robin Williams doing, 
weirder, darker roles. So he probably loses a bit of his box office steam Ooh, because because so many of them were, you know, kids like me who knew him as the genie, you know, and right, that he does like. like- 24-hour photo uh, era. I was going to say one-hour photo. Well, no no, no yeah. spoilers. I haven't seen that, and I really want to. Really bad. Sure. I, I hardly even remember it, but I remember he did one where, like, I think, like, he worked for, like, a funeral parlor that, like, takes your last memories and builds, like, video reels about them. Um, cool. It's like a weird sci-fi movie. Yeah, he I just does a bunch. Now. One of my <laughs> favorite posts, I mean, it's a, it's a hard watch, especially now. Uh, but World's Greatest Dad is oh, one, of God, the best, <laughs> one of the best. It's a great Robin Williams performance. It is brutal. I, 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 I struggled to call it a dark comedy. I would I would say it's 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 a rough comedy. Like there's there is genuine comedic elements to it, but it is. Yeah. Sorry. Neither here nor there. Um, what were y'all's favorite lines? Because I've got a couple. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. I, I do have a couple, but uh <laughs> uh, I, I'm kind of fucked up in general, so it's hard to gauge. Bastard son of <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, uh, just <laughs> Heil Smoochie in general. Um, yeah, uh, but I think my favorite one was, uh, um, oh shoot, I lost it. Um, and it wasn't a Robin Williams line. It was uh, by, the, oh yeah, it's um, it's the former um uh actor who turned into like a this uh a sniper or whatever but it's buggy ding dong shall rise again like a magnificent phoenix or some other town in arizona <laughs> beautiful lines um i've got to give i've got to give a couple a, a little bit of love to some robin williams riffs before i give my favorite line i'm gonna give okay, i think yeah. we're all gonna get some runners up Hello, little nipple nibbler," he said to a child, to an infant. Um, "You illegitimate Teletubby was so fucking funny." Um, something the Irish mob said was, "Cops won't do the ball thing; it's against procedure." Oh man, but 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 because it was so fucking funny, we're gonna find him, cut off his balls, and shove him up his ass. Maybe we should have the police do that. Police won't do the ball thing; it's against procedure. <laughs> Just like an idea that that wasn't a threat, but that that was like literally what they planned to do, which is just like a hilarious revelation. Um, but I've got to go with my number one favorite line that got the biggest pop out of me out of this whole movie, which is my stepdad's not mean, he's just adjusting. Yep, I have that. So fucking funny. He's so fucking good. So freaking good. <laughs> honestly, all the music in this is pretty good. Like hilarious. Like the, uh, honestly, I probably could have taken a few more songs throughout it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, ones that you guys haven't mentioned already. Uh, as he's being ushered out of uh the the trial to his car, and the paparazzi are just yelling questions at him. What about the rumors that you're mentally unbalanced? Who the fuck said that? Like him just screaming at people. Uh, <laughs> someone throws an egg at his head. I've been shot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
oh there's so many good stuff in there but uh i, I mean like the the best line uh you can't change the world but you can make a dent uh is a is a just speaks so clearly to my ethos and pathos of how i live my life and that's the thing i really wanted to share the gospel of smoochie uh to oh, yeah brother. and that's why i i it, for something that's so silly misguided and a mess i think the fact that something that impactful could come out of this movie is why i i, I love movies is because hey there's you maybe you don't make the most maybe you don't make star wars or the shining or some other you know uh trans transcendent piece of media but sometimes even in this mess that lost 42 million dollars like you know <laughs> maybe you can make an impact on a you know 13 year old mckinney <laughs> yeah Hell well yeah, you, brother. Know, Hell yeah. you know don i am very excited to see your stage adaptation of death to smoochie uh well we hope we get some produ producer credits but uh no yeah question. no i i it was fun revisiting again i haven't seen it in years so it was uh it was a wild ride hold up that was our favorite line did we did we do our gimmick of the week the the favorite example of light oh. work I think I, th I think Don did. Okay, okay yeah, I was gonna I say, did. welcome to movies for when you're all officially initiated. We forgot a gimmick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I just Robin Williams and Edward Norton doing all the light okay. work and this. I, I think yeah. that's cool. I think it's pretty clear. I mean, mine again. If I'm you know going with my inside gimmick of making this very literal, it is uh, Robin Williams' legs in the air while he was being shoved down a staircase, but. Just all of Robin Williams' physical comedy in this, I thought was really fun. Uh, like even his like he tap dances at one point. Like just <laughs> the dude was wild. Um, mine was uh, uh, the character that Ed Norton portrayed uh, convincing TCBY to sell tofu dogs. That takes a yeah. lot of legwork. Like he, he even TCBY. said, like you can't imagine. Dude, when I saw that neon sign in the background, I said out loud to the people I was watching with, I was like. You guys remember when TCBY was everywhere? Like that, like you couldn't like go to a mini mall without or a strip mall, not a mini mall, very different concepts. Um, you couldn't go to a strip mall without seeing a TCBY. When's the last time you ran into one and you weren't at an airport? Like they probably, used to be everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Well, cool. Well, I, I this has been a lot of fun, guys. I think we've Dylan, uh, you're you're clearly trying to get out of here, but we haven't even scored the movie. Oh, we haven't. Oh shoot, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> Dylan, do you have I'm a kid or something ahead. you have to take care of? Is that why you're rushed? <laughs> I'm just, man, I'm, priority. I'm watching this recording time go over and over, and I'm like, oh my god, I've I've been a I've been I've done a work day. <laughs> well, let let me tell you something. I tell Greg every week when he's like we need to be quicker about this i'm like brother no one who gives a shit about our podcast cares about how long it is <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no one who wants to listen to us is like i just if only it greg, weren't three hours oh yeah i mean greg is never gonna let you do this on your own again <laughs> that's probably for the best because i don't like doing it on my own <laughs> I don't like yeah. editing shit. I want to show Denny, up Denny the legwork Taylor is not here to it's stay. It's been a horrible era of legwork. I, I had two <laughs> responsibilities and one of them is already fucking ruined. So, <laughs> <laughs> what would you motherfuckers score this movie? I, I you know what? I'm gonna give it a three and a half. Like all right, all right. You know, three is my baseline. Like it was a movie. I enjoyed it. You know, I think there's definitely some things that you know 
could be better, but I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. So three and a half out of five. All right. right. It, Don, it's, what you got? it's a top five all time for me. Um, because just, I know it's a top, like I will, I, it's why I don't rate movies is because I just don't, I don't think it's better than a lot of movies. I really don't. I think it's as funny as it is to say, like there are much better movies, but it's one of my, one of my favorites. So dude, I highly recommend. And I, I think that's an important distinction too, just between favorite and best, you know, like, yes. and that's, <clears throat> and that's why I am, I'm same way. I have a hard time, like putting a score to a movie because i'm like i just enjoyed that i had fun with that Dude, none none of my favorite movies have 50s on my criticer none of them yeah <laughs> none of them like literally if you ask me my like top 20 favorite movies of all time i guarantee we're not going to hit a 50 like it, it, like that's like that's a like respect for like mastery of filmmaking my right. favorites are things that resonated with me personally, and it's yeah. shit like Beetlejuice, you know, uh-huh. like That's like true. it's 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 the perks of being a wallflower, which changed my life, and it's kind of a boilerplate ass movie, like you know, like it's, <laughs> it's got a lot of heart, but like from a like cinematography perspective, it, like it's just I don't give a shit about that stuff. If it emotionally worked for me, it worked for me. Yeah, thanks. I will love Out Cold until the day I die, and it's a horrible fucking movie. It just is meaningful to me because I like it. Like power of pop punk soundtracks. Oh yeah, yeah, come back to me anytime. Hell yeah, anytime you want. Um, Denny, yeah. thank you so much for having us on. This has been so much fun. I'm so. I haven't even given my goddamn rating. Y'all are clearly <laughs> tired of making this podcast. I'm gonna let it go. Um, I'm gonna clarify, Don. I would never want to invalidate something that you love. So I'm gonna tell you some things I love that I gave the same rating to. Okay. Um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, The Great Muppet Caper, and The Rock starring Nicolas Cage. I have given this movie a 27 out of 50. I had to fail it for objective reasons, but I recognize its merit. And I am so glad. I am so <laughs> glad that this movie helped give a, give the world a Don Denim. Like, I mean Absolutely. that. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. If without Death to Smoochie, Don would have been a little less Don, I'm glad we have Death to Smoochie. I mean that. Um, boys, what's your favorite movie for when it's a clusterfuck? Golly. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, mean, yeah, I hate to give my own answer, but uh, it's well, it's, so the only, my own answer. That's my whole well, gimmick. the only thing I would say, like, I think I, I think we would all agree that, you know, uh, the best movie we just watched was There Will Be Blood. But yes. for a clusterfuck, I think the death of Smoochie kind of purposely <laughs> and captures just an absolute <laughs> clusterfuck. <laughs> So I would, agree. I, would I would agree. Despite my best efforts, I'm on theme. Yeah, there you exactly, go, brother. Exactly. And, and you know that? what? I'm actually going to flip it, and I'm going to go with there will be blood for this reason. If it was, if it was a, if it wasn't like an absolute masterpiece, this wouldn't have been as much of a clusterfuck. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been the final girls and death to Smoochie, which are highly niche and very fun and open to interpretation for how good they are. Those are very clusterfucky. But two clusterfucks doesn't make a clusterfuck. That's just on theme. Right. Throwing there will be blood in there makes it a true okay, clusterfuck. That makes that's, sense. That's that makes sense. <laughs> I, I get that. I get that. Well, very cool. Well, uh, Denny, what else do we need to do before you did, let us free? Did Don give us his? 
I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, I think that's the smoochie is, what, is, is the way to go um, as far as just a, a true clusterfucks. Awesome. Um, well, I will say, uh, boys, it'll be about 10 years before I ask you for a favor again. You have oh. uh, more than more than repaid. You did a favor for us. Uh, this it'll is like an eight-hour podcast. How the fuck long is this shit? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I, I, I hope you'll agree to rejoin because I have had such a blast with both of you and Phil. This has been um, – I'm sure you guys have like South by Southwest to perform at and children to care for. Um, as someone who's been highly stressed out for like a month and a half, this was a very nice Sunday afternoon slash there you evening. Go. Good. Uh, uh, pushing pushing the envelope into night for me. <laughs> I just, uh, I, yeah, I hope you guys will agree to come back, and I'll I'll even allow you to come back for just one movie and not a whole episode. <laughs> this was too much. Yeah, but just uh, um, just tell Greg to bring his stopwatch next time. Oh, he'll be back. He'll be back, and this move, this podcast will get about an hour shorter to being uh, right on par with the length of There Will Be Blood. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess uh, next week, uh, Greg and I have decided to do a one-movie episode uh, for, oh. for to compensate for his return. I think it's going to be Oscar-themed. I think Greg just wants to talk about the Oscars. Greg won't admit it, but I'm just going to say it on the air. His favorite genre is Oscar bait, and he likes to pretend like it's not. That man loves Oscar bait, and I don't judge him for it. I think it's time for him just to come to terms with that he loves okay. Oscar bait movies. Um, I will probably have to watch several Oscar bait movies because God knows all I've seen are Licorice Pizza and Nightmare Alley, but I don't know. We're going to do a one-movie episode next time. I'll let Greg pick. Because I'm sick and fucking tired of doing the legwork. I'm so, sure you are. Ladies and gentlemen, for Dylan, the scary berry dairy berry, and for Don, the denim jacket denim, and for Phil, uh, all the all killer no filler Van Hoek, I'm Denny, the motherfucking talent Taylor, signing off. For Greg, the skip two weeks of this shit because I got married, Johnson. And this has been <laughs> movies for when there's no fucking way you made it this far, so you'll never know when. Peace the fuck out. We're done. <laughs>